Bernie Lomax rides again. Pacific Rim is the movie we need. And say hello to Captain Jack Sparrow this week on 2010. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a dope little journey across three decades in time. In the very same week, this week being July 7th through the 13th, we'll be taking you back to 30, 20, and 10 years ago. That means 90, 1993, 2003, and 2013. Franchises were born and died on this very day. Uh, so very many. It's, it's just fun to look at. Uh, it'll help you figure out where you were, what you were doing, what you loved, what music you were listening to, TV shows you weren't watching, all that stuff. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Santista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I am the worst pirate you have ever heard of. But you have heard of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm J.R. Rawls, and... I have no particular grudge against you, but I will end your life. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we want to thank our patrons right off the bat. Patreon.com slash LaserTime. Extra shows coming at you. I'm, we teased it last week, but I'm very excited to talk to JR. We just want to do like a full, what would you call it, therapeutic sit down about AI. (laughs) Yeah, just shooting the shit about AI, honestly. Yeah. Uh, It's a fundamental change that's going to sweep over the entertainment industry. We're not going to be getting real in-depth on what it's going to mean for you and your job, although I do love the quote, you will not be replaced by AI, you will be replaced by someone who learns to use AI. Mm. Mm. Or a human who licenses AI. Anyway, patreon.com slash later time. Give us five bucks. Woo! Let's begin the show, July 7th, 13th. What's up? (laughs) That's topical because we have a couple movies I think might have been written by janky past AI. Hey, there you go. (laughs) There is some formulatic absolute nonsense in here. And then I would say one mega game changer that one of those things that changes cinema forever, ever on. And whether you like it or not. So cannot wait to talk (laughs) about that. Welcome to 302010. Let's begin as we always do in 1993, July 7th to the 13th. A little bit of news to warm you, like warm you into the world of 1993. Not that this helps at all. Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical Sunset Boulevard, based on Billy Wilder's 1950 film, stars Patti Lapone and Kevin Anderson, and it opens in London. Diana, did I hear you say one time Sunset Boulevard might be one of your favorite movies, or it's just that Billy Wilder's your favorite director? Billy Wilder's my favorite filmmaker, okay. and Sunset Boulevard, my God, it's perfection. It's and wonderful. Yeah, I can see how you could adapt it into a musical. In fact, um, <laughs> Gloria Swanson, the star of the film herself, tried to adapt it into a musical way back in the day. Really? And then Sondheim thought about it and actually met Billy Wilder at a party and said, what do you think? And Billy Wilder said, it shouldn't be a musical. It's an opera. And Sondheim was like, shit, he's right, and walked away. But Andrew Lloyd Webber <laughs> is not smart enough to know that. It mm. should fucking be an opera. But he all made right. a, a musical. This is and, my ignorance. All right. What's the difference between a opera and a musical? Dialogue. An um, opera is sung yeah. completely. Okay. And yeah. I've only well, I did see this on Broadway oh. and uh, did a amazing job. The beginning of it opens with him on the pool. And I still don't know how they managed to do it because they show him floating and it looks like he's floating in a pool on stage. It's pretty impressive. Neat. Did you see it when it was Glenn Close? Because she Yes, I did. He, right. She fuck? did it on Broadway in LA. They've talked for years about actually filming this and making a film. Probably with Glenn Close still. It's getting a little late. Come on, guys. 
Well, I mean, it's a movie about a has-been. She it's keeps true. aging. It keeps working. It's true. <laughs> keeps getting nominated for Oscars. Um, and not winning. It's true. She's, I mean, is that why? Are people just holding out to wait for her to make a Sunset Boulevard movie and they can just give her the Oscar already? I, I really feel like Glenn Close has the problem of everybody feels like, well, she's won already. Like, no, she's just been nominated like a near record amount of times and everyone acknowledges it, yeah. her as a great actress. She does not have a statue yet. Nope. Uh, nope, she does not. Yes. And, you know, maybe at this point an honorary one will be just fine. Moving on to movies, speaking of that, uh, last week we talked about The Firm. It is still number one at the box office. And having just freshly seen the Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning trailer, really wanted to point out, I don't remember Tom Cruise running as much until The Firm. Maybe in far and away, but not the sideways open hand. That wasn't happening yet. <laughs> have you have you seen the YouTube clip where it's just him running? It's him running in every single one of his running films clip. I, I saw like, my rare brushes with cable. I saw IFC promote Mission Impossible 5, and they just looped him running over and over again because like, <laughs> they're in on the joke. IFC was in on the joke, too. Running that fantastic independent film, <laughs> Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Um <laughs> Anyway, movies that actually came out 30 years ago. And when this original movie came out, the week after Batman, I was like, this movie is what old movies look like. Batman is what new movies look like. And mm. instead of taking that to heart, they waited for Batman Returns to come out and revisit the fantastic franchise that is, hold on, starring Terry Kisser, Jonathan Silverman, and Andrew McCarthy. It is Weekend at Bernie's 2! This summer, come to an island paradise. For a weekend of fun. A weekend with Bernie. He keeps going and going and going. Bernie? Parasailing? Weekend at Bernie's 2. It just wouldn't be summer without Bernie. Rated PG. Starts Friday <laughs> at a theater near you. It just wouldn't be summer without this guy you've met once. Has error a film not needed to exist as much as Weekend at Bernie's. Too. Like the first Weekend at Bernie's, it's fine. It's incredibly stupid, but it's a goofy, you know, slapstick physical comedy thing. Poor Terry Kaiser got real beat up on it. I'm surprised they mm -hmm. managed to lure him back. I bet he got a bigger Why? paycheck. He, he had can't to make sure. Weekend at Bernie's too without him. So he was like, pay me. He deserves some kind of accolade for this because his physical acting doesn't seem very easy <laughs> and, and a lot no, of it is just no. him and it's way more work than he had to do in the first one right well i mean there was a whole trend about 10 plus years ago of do the bernie where it was yes. a dance based on his performance in weekend at bernie's 2 where he's a dead body dancing and people just filmed themselves doing the bernie um, oh because in this movie, God. music animates the corpse of Bernie Lomax. <laughs> okay, I, I want to do a bit right. of a deep dive into how they get that about, because it is okay. such a hard work on the script. So first, <laughs> they got to get Bernie in the morgue easy enough, but then they get introduced two completely new characters to steal the body of Bernie, undergo a voodoo ceremony with that body, <laughs> lose that body... Then that body ends up back at the morgue, so our two main characters can pick up the body not knowing that it's under a voodoo curse. That's a lot of work. It really is. It really is. They should have performed the curse on him. I fuck, like, I don't want to hate this movie, but, like, 
those brief brushes my family had with HBO, this played like two times every fucking day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm so a, sick of seeing it. There's a friend's quote. It goes something like, hey, you want to watch Weekend at Bernie's? It's on HBO, Cinemax, and Showtime all at the same yes. time. Come on, guys. <laughs> Dead guy getting hit in the crotch 20 times. Come on. I mean, even having like one movie channel now feels like beyond painful. But that it's running Weekend at Bernie's 2 as frequently as HBO did. Fuck. I don't even know how we lived. Ugh. Uh, okay. Has any duology had as long-lasting impact as Weekend at Bernie's? Because you still see this reference. Yeah. Anytime there's some dead guy. I mean, you know it was based on a true story, right? No. no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> According to Drew Barrymore, her what? grandfather's friends, Errol Flynn, oh. W.C. Fields... And Sendarki Hartman took his body from the morgue and propped it up at a poker table after his death in 1942. And he won. That is a statement that Drew Barrymore has made. I don't I, doubt it. This, this story has gone around a long time. I think Errol Flynn might have repeated it, saying, yeah, they stole Barrymore's corpse and took him out for one more night. Does seem fun. <laughs> it's kind of what I want to yeah. put in my will, if I have any friends by the time I'm dead. I mean... <laughs> Bernie lives a full death. Okay, yeah. he gets he gets romantic in both Weekend at Bernie movies after his death. Do, oh, do you think for like necrophiliacs, this is like their <laughs> uh, version of basic instinct? They I, just, know, I think like, it, I think really... it repulses them. Sit still. <laughs> I, I I I can't think of any more way to like really solidify your legacy than making sure your corpse lives forever. I got to figure out a way. That's what put me in a haunted house. Okay, so I watched Weekend at Bernie's Why? 20 times in my okay. life. Uh, um, I'm pretty sure this is the second time I watched Weekend at Bernie's 2. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I watched it back in 1993 because I did I've seen love this one Weekend way at more, one. way more. Really? Yeah. Way more? Yeah, it's just when, when I was able to unhook the Comcast filter and get HBO free in the house because dad wouldn't pay for it. It's just whenever that, like 94 or something like that, 95. Mm. See, I think this clip from How I Met Your Mother accurately conveys how most people think about this duology. Yeah, no, you're right. Lily would laugh at anything. She'd give it up for a bad pun. I'm telling you, she's a laugh slut. (laughs) Remember that time we heard her laughing and we thought she was watching Weekend at Bernie's, but it turned out she was watching Weekend at Bernie's 2? It's fascinating that, and it's probably a little unfair, that this movie has been sort of symbolic of the worst movies Hollywood can make. And I it's sort of true. No, what no, is... this is not a bad movie. This is not a horrible, god-awful movie. Yeah, I will yeah. agree it's an unnecessary movie. Right. I mean, I think Weekend at Bernie's So it was Indiana Jones did... 5. <laughs> well, okay. very similar in that right. respect. I mean, yeah, that's uh, the Hollywood system. They're going to pump out more things than they need because I do feel like the niche for Weekend at Bernie's was completely, perfectly filled by Weekend at Bernie's yes. 1. That being said, <laughs> I'm still rooting for Weekend at Bernie's Three. I I want them. To, I want them to close out the trilogy. I still I still wish there was an alternate dimension where like producers defiantly never stopped making this series, and something happens at twelve where we just like I, we got to acknowledge this is one of the biggest franchises in the world. Weekend at Bernie's Twelve, fucking great. And in terms of like we keep we always say remake bad movies. Somebody give it a shot. Why not? Like it's got name. It's got name cachet. We can remake Weekend at Bernie's. How bad could it be? Yeah. Hmm. How much can you fit into like how many more jokes do you you need another eighty eight minutes for more Weekend at Bernie's? Come on, Hold you can on. fit it all into one movie. This sounds like a perfect job 
for AI. <laughs> no one's exactly. going to care if it what the if the results are good. Let's just see what it does. Either weaken at Bernie's remake or weaken at Bernie's 3. At some point I'm going to I'm going to throw that into some chat GPT filter. I want to throw in the idea of a weekend at Bernie's prequel. Okay, Bernie Lomax in the first film is showed to be tied to the mafia. In the second film, he's shown to also have ties to the cartel and a voodoo cult. What the hell that, kind of Walter White shit was Bernie Lomax getting into? If I had millions of dollars and fucking Hollywood clout to spare, I would stealthily write a, write a prequel about a guy navigating the mob in voodoo at the very end. is like, here's your gun, Mr. Lomax. What? It was a prequel at Bernie's prequel the entire time. Fuck me. What a franchise. Uh, okay. You know shit. what's shocking, though? Is this is this is one of two at least movies we will be talking about in which someone who is cursed and undead walks under the water to get treasure. <laughs> perfect. Perfect way to get right. out of... This is the most anybody's talked about Weekend, Bernie, Weekend at Bernie's 2 unless you do a specifically bad movie podcast. Oh. I, I've got it. Weekend at Bernie's 3 needs to have time travel. Okay, he's already a zombie voodoo guy. So what you have is some further curse ends up with those two guys. No one remembers their names. John Silverman. Yeah. He was one yeah. of the actors, though. Mm -hmm. uh, but no one remembers the character's name. Both of them end up back in time to the first weekend at Bernie's. And they have to make sure that Bernie's corpse doesn't get too mutilated because that'll break the time stream oh, i was gonna so pitch a world they're the ones like making sure that everything crazy happens as it actually happens. oh like back to the future too exactly yeah i love it i was gonna pitch a world <laughs> where it was just all bernie lomax's and they had to fit into a world of reanimated dancing corpses otherwise they'd get eaten in an i am legend a very pg i am legend kind of way we should move on <laughs> We should move on. Not God, that, please, can we move on? Not that this is important. Dan Hedaya, Gary Busey, and Thomas Ian Nichols in Rookie of the Year. Oh, sorry. One last thing. Oh, One God. last thing. I promise it. <laughs> I know. I'm horrible. Okay, here's the thing. I'm a horrible person. I hope that when Terry Kaiser dies, someone steals his corpse. Hey, that's a great... Dude, <laughs> there's your there's another movie in that right there. Like, yeah. yes. a race yes. to steal his corpse. Fuck yes. God, what a great piece of movie memorabilia. This is just Terry Kaiser. Yes, he's behind glass. I will not take him out. Oh, God. Multiple groups of of idiot fanboys all trying to pull the same prank, and Hell they have yeah. to like fight each other and steal his corpse exactly. back and forth. And yeah. That's it. That's Weekend at Bernie's three. <laughs> and then and then like Ben Mankiewicz gets a hears wind of it and like no film preservation. This is important. So like he's got to get involved. I love it. Moving on for real into Rookie of the Year for God's sake. <laughs> Rotate slowly. When Henry Rowengartner's arm healed. Funky. A little strange. Mom, watch this. He learned more about baseball. I'm the new pitcher. And more about life. Kellogg and Reebok are foaming at the mound for a piece of the kit. Which piece? Than anyone ever imagined. Pitcher's got a big butt. Rookie of the Year. This, this movie is... Not bad. <laughs> it's uh, it's wish yeah. fulfillment. Yeah. It's it's hey, what kid doesn't dream about playing for professional sports? Thirty team? years ago, yes, yeah, thirty years ago, sure. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> even today, I'd say a lot of kids dream about playing. You think so? Sports. I don't think so. Yeah, I do. Yeah, baseball. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe not. Kids are weird. Baseball. 
Yeah, whatever. Right. Baseball, basketball, football. I think the majority of kids have some dream at right. some time. Wouldn't it be cool if I got paid millions of dollars to play a game? Yes, the, I think that's a common The fantasy. fun thing about the movie is like, I'm a kid and I'm disrupting this national pastime and being great at it. Hello. Yeah, I don't, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He breaks his arm. It heals funny. So now he's got a hundred mile an hour fastball. I, there ain't nothing in the book that says uh, kids can't play. I, oh, I love that. I, but I, I, I had I severed my tendon in my pinky. And yeah. when your tendons sever, they shrink back up and they had to make like I have a Harry Potter scar on my pinky where they open up the flaps and sew the retracted tendon back together. My pinky does move faster on um, on my uh, my right hand as a result. So I. Buy into this completely. <laughs> it moves differently. Science, now. the science checks. Science out. checks out. Yeah. And and it, yeah, how many movies? But still, is... like you would still have to have accuracy, though. You can't like <laughs> two hundred well, mile. Of, but you can but teach that. That's a plot point, actually. Yeah. yeah and, and when he starts out, he keeps throwing balls, and uh, he's not doing that great. So he does have to learn to control his superpower. Yeah. yeah. But like, there's there. We are going to get inundated in the early '90s of kids' baseball movies, and this is on the better end. Of things, you got Sandlot, Sandlot, Little Big yeah. League, Angels in the uh, Outfield, and yeah, and uh, this is one of the better ones. There are so, there were so. What was that? It was like a couple months ago, we had a baseball movie in like every segment of Thirty Twenty Ten because it was opening mm-hmm. season because it was still a very popular pastime. Not so, not so much, I argue, but you know, I'm not here to say talk about baseball. This is a, a neat little film. I don't know how much it would resonate with today's kids, but it's not embarrassing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's fine. I'm surprised to see it's directed by Daniel Stern, yes. who hasn't directed much else. Fucking Marv. Marv is directing. and <laughs> Yeah, and that's how part of how he brings in this, you know, a, a lot of uh, famous people doing cameos or small parts and stuff like that. John Candy. I think that's part of how he got it. Yeah, he got John Candy in there. Uh, you got a couple of people as themselves, of course. You get got Eddie Bracken, who was still like, God, he was a billion years old. Yeah. All right, looks like viewership. <laughs> The World Series is half what it was 20 years ago. And that's with more people. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I just, I, I, I never get over, like, I love parks and you drive by them and it's just empty baseball diamonds as far as the eye can see. No baseball diamonds ever being used in my area of town. Anyway, moving on to the, the yeah. real big movie of, of the week, at least, uh, for 30 years ago. Dylan McDermott, Renee Russo, uh, John Malkovich... Clint Eastwood, it's in the line of fire. What are you going to do with that gun? To assassinate the president. (laughs) An assassin on the loose. What do you know about the guy? He's like a predator. A president in danger. I am willing to trade my life for his. So this guy's going to make a try, and I've got to be there. One man sworn to stop him. That president is coming home in a box. That's not going to happen. Clint Eastwood in the line of fire, rated R. Clint Eastwood didn't waste that uh, unforgiven clout and just moved it right into in the line of fire. And this movie was kind of everywhere. That one-two punch, I think, shooted him back up to stardom. I mean, it's not like he was never not famous, but full-on stardom, I feel, was revamped with these two films. Box office success, awards, accolades, like crazy it was it's crazy the trajectory of clint eastwood because i think before unforgiven he was talked about in pop culture as a guy who used to star in things that Mm -hmm. were very popular and then has this complete and utter resurgence that 
arguably is still going on. Yeah. The, the I, Mule is yeah. like the number one movie on Netflix right now. And I <laughs> can't believe that 30 years ago he was playing in an old curmudgeon-y yeah. uh, <laughs> guy at the end of his lifespan. And 30 years later, he's still playing that role. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's all a 63 here. I mean, you, you can't be a Secret Service agent at 63 running alongside that car. And then they point out, like, yeah, you don't need to run out alongside the car. It's just for show. It's stupid. Oh, I love this movie so much. Another adult-ass thriller for adults, just like we had The Firm last week. This is, you know, it's 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 an action movie without a lot of action. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a political thriller. You know, it's got really like solid story ridiculously good pasting it's it's directed by wolfgang peterson you know who's knows from action god damn it never ending story uh yeah <laughs> knows how to just bring tension out of just just little things just little things and and also john malkovich yes i think this is oh, going yeah. for it he treats this like it is the most serious role yep of a lifetime and he is so good for for me I think this, this is, is what, what made him a yeah. star this is the one yeah. where he really broke out in main street i, I think he, he had like, like when we were really Malkovich little guy. kids he was he had big roles but this was like john malkovich is now a movie star there's not many yeah. people who could do what he did in this movie and he is the most fascinating thing in the movie period yeah. oh yeah he's I mean, just he's so good like it turns out so many choices that you think like oh that's how you flesh out this bad guy like this could just be any psycho it doesn't really matter he's a guy who wants to kill the president why because i want to kill the president yeah that's see that's the thing it. like every like actual assassin of every real president had a policy reason yeah i, I don't like their policy on uh freeing african-americans i don't like their policy on cuba you know they all had yeah. reasons but in I, movie, I, you... I want to impress emma goldman and or jody foster right yeah and and, and but his, with with, just, with those motives comes ways to catch that person, and that's what makes this an interesting character. Because oh shit, he we don't know what groups he's affiliated with. Uh, we got nothing on the clan on this guy. We got nothing on <laughs> America first. Holy shit, who is this guy? He just wants to kill the president. And my favorite thing about it is I remember how scary I thought the idea of homemade plastic guns was, mm. and. Yeah how little attention we're paying to that problem right now and how awful that is now that they're near ubiquity. Yeah, 3D printers are probably going to make that, you know, impossible to stop. Yeah, I believe mm -hmm. there's been some measures to, like, keep blueprints from getting out there, but, like, that's not going to matter. Good luck with that. Him. You're, yeah. you're yeah. not going to keep, yeah. Yeah, uh, but now they, might, they might not work great. They might not more, work more than once, but is it how much do you need if you're going right. to... Like, his plan is so complicated, but so well thought out. Like, mm -hmm. the, the writer Jeff McGuire did a really good job of every single piece along the way well he's got a plastic gun so he can get through security but he's got to get up close to the guy so like how how does he start donating money <laughs> he's gonna be a fancy donor that's how he gets up close to the guy and so much of the movie is just clint eastwood and john malkovich taunting each other over the phone best telephone so conversations of the decade mm, i can't think so of a good. 1990s movie that had better telephone conversations between one actor and the other because yeah. they, they don't interact at all until near the Not very much. end. Yeah. Not much. Yeah. It's just the taunting of, yeah. And I love that Malkovich's character, like, knows he's doing this for show. You know, he wants to be called Booth because of John Wilkes Booth because he's so theatrical. It's like people remember who he is because he's so theatrical. No one remembers, you know, Chol Gosh. 
even though he managed to actually kill a president because his name is hard to say and we don't understand why he did it. So, ah, uh, this is just so, so much, again, just like the firm, this, when people complain about superhero movies right? and how we just get so many superhero movies, this is the kind of movie we don't get anymore. Yes. We get cop dramas. Yes. We get things with a lot more action, a lot more shootout, but here's so much of the action is in the tension because- it's for grown-ups. It's about the plot. It's not about the fighting. And I, yeah, I'll just go out, uh, out on a limb here because I can't think of many movies involving the Secret Service. But uh, in the Line of Fire, and oh, I just lost the name of the movie. To live and die in L.A., which is mostly oh, about yeah. the, fantastic. There's a whole other job yeah. there about counterfeit money that the Secret Service does before they were protecting presidents. And bam, to one-two punch. They're both great. And I do yeah. love, uh, I stayed at the hotel one year during E3 for mm-hmm. this. And that yep. is one of the most bizarre places I have ever been. It is, <laughs> it was 10 years ago, but it was a dead mall even then. And there's like a mm-hmm. hidden subway on the fourth floor that you have to know where to look to get a sandwich. There's wax sculptures of wrestlers on the floor, but nobody's <laughs> there. Like it, it's one of the weirdest places I've ever been. I don't know why we yep. stayed there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, the L.A. Bonaventure. Mm-hmm. They, well, it's got the cool outdoor or the the external elevators that mm-hmm. they put to nice use. And yeah, ah, oh. this is just like why why can't we have popular movies that make money that are it's cost like forty million dollars to made one hundred eighty seven. Yeah, like it, you know, it's popular. It does well. It is well constructed, and it's it's about the the tension of the thrillerness. And trying to the the chess game between people like I don't know. There's a lot of ways this could get fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they could just cheap out all over the place and just have Clint be like a superhero kind of guy who can just do anything and figure out everything. It's like no, he fucks up. He ends up like being self-effacing. Uh, Malkovich taunts him of like you're just. This feels personal too of taunting him, saying like you're just an old loser who sits around playing jazz piano. And he's when it's like, fuck you. Unless you play piano, you don't understand. And I'm (laughs) obsessed with what you're pointing out about, like, you know, I'm I'm like 13 now. And this is one of the most notable, lauded, highest grossing movies of the year. But watching it now, it rings like a classical movie that they don't make anymore. Uh, And I don't. I don't really see why not. I think if you got some like really badass actors and incorporated something a little more modern, why not? And the thing is, I can't, I can't even see them making this for streaming. Yeah, they wouldn't make it this high quality. They may do some low budget version of this, but it wouldn't be like this amazing of actors. It'd be be phone booth. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We Um, we see vague movies that are vaguely like this, but mm -hmm. they are way more action heavy. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's got machine guns. Instead of tense phone calls. Yeah. Uh, This film did have some of the very first historical revisionism videography. It cost $2 million for them to cut out old video of Clint Eastwood in one of his old movies and insert it into the Kennedy videos. Wow. And, you know, (laughs) today it just looks so rudimentary and so like, well, yeah. You had your intern do that over his lunch break, right? But <laughs> but at the time, they spent a fortune on it, and uh, Siskel thought it was ghoulish to do that. Because we got to keep in mind, this film was made 30 years after the Kennedy assassination. Mm. So it was, re- you know, people you and I's age would still be remembering the Kennedy assassination as something that happened not recently, but not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
as long ago as Weekend at Bernie's 2. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. And uh, I don't even think we explained fully that, yeah, Clint Eastwood plays like the <laughs> the oldest Secret Service agent who was on the Kennedy detail when he was assassinated. And now Malkovich is like, I'm going to kill the president. Oh, look who's here. Extra goody times. I'm going to taunt you even more. You're going to lose two presidents, Clint. And Clint is like, I'm going to piss in your dead skull. I, I don't know anything about the behind the scenes or what the story is based on. You guys were talking about it like it, like it should be household knowledge. Please tell me more. Uh, well, it is... I, it is vaguely, they, I think they talked to Clint Hill, who is still around, amazingly. Really? Who was wow. on JFK's detail. He was wow. he was uh, in the motorcade and has also written about, uh, like, after the assassination, he was still assigned to Jackie Kennedy and wrote a book about, you know, traveling with her and that experience. But, yeah, it's vaguely sort of based on a real guy. Wow. I mean, I, I just imagine, were that to happen, not cynically, they would take you off that detail but i guess mm. watching jackie o is sort of kind of like that she's not as yeah, hot buttons you know you want people she knows to be around after going through something like that like you don't want all new people you, stressful you, enough you don't want people sake. who have lived through the trauma of an assassination with itchy trigger fingers guarding a president in public like i i can't imagine yeah. you'd go back to that detail and i'm not saying they failed Difficult yep. to think about. Uh, Clint Hill is the guy. Uh, this is partially based on. What's the, yeah. is, is there a clip of him? Yeah, it's just him talking. It's my fault. Oh. No one has ever suggested that for an instant. All I, uh, that you did was show great bravery and great presence of mind. Mike, I don't care about that. If I had reacted just a little bit quicker, I could have, I guess. I'll live with that to my grave. Jesus Christ. Poor guy. I, yeah. And it's like. Yeah. Mike, stop making people cry. Then yeah, and Mike now, Wallace. no one would consider, like, your only job was to be a bullet sponge for the president. Like, you weren't, that's a failure of intelligence so wide uh, that that happened that has nothing to do with you, Mr. Hill. Oh, goodness. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and they get into that in the movie. Do you really want to die so that the president can live that's a that's a that's a tough yeah. depends on the president. job to do yeah oh and they they do something very clever you never see that president yeah we don't yeah, know exactly. anything about him it's not important love yeah. that no that's not the point love that it, the job doesn't matter who's there yeah oh yeah in the line of fire god big yeah, recommend for me i want I want 800 more movies like this. Very recommended. Well, let's move on to television because we got some notable stuff here, up to and including A Different World Ends uh, that started oh. in 1987 and even then slowly distanced itself from being a Cosby show spinoff. Mm -hmm. Somehow new. It mildly surprised me that there's never been any spinoffs, any TV movies, any continuation of the Cosby verse because it was so huge. I would have thought that sometime someone would have been, hey, let's get the Huxtable kids being parents now. I can, mm -hmm. I can only imagine just because it was so lucrative and involved someone as prolific and rich as Bill Cosby, you got to get him to sign off. If he's not even willing to take the meeting, it's not going to happen. But it just, it's because of the Cosby show that you had what was basically a, a traditional sitcom with people at a black university, which wouldn't, have, I don't think would have been greenlit without the Cosby show cachet in 1993. Oh, God, no. And, nope. And it, I ended up sticking around for just, this is incredible. It's six seasons. Like I, and I don't remember why, but I, I love the show. I think because the ladies were really pretty. 
And I, I watched yeah. it a lot. Yeah. It had had such a good cast besides Lisa Bonet. We had uh, tiny tiny baby Marissa Tomei. Jasmine as Guy. The one Ooh. black girl and at the traditionally black college. But yeah, Don Lewis, Jasmine Guy, Kadeem Hardison, Lord of Divine, Sinbad was in there, Cree Summer was in there. Right. The yeah. Cree Summer. It's a fun show. Yeah, I still hear in all these cartoons and like a good looking lady. Why didn't she she on screen more? Anyway, oh, um, she's so cute. I don't think it got a traditional last episode. Just looking at it, a bunch of its final episodes aired in syndication for the first mm. time. So I guess it was unceremoniously cut. And there's some some proposal that happens in the final episode, but I couldn't stream this in time. Also out this week, debuting on Fox, Danger Theater. Yeah, yeah. This is Fox weirdness. You know, mm-hmm. early Fox was definitely willing to try a lot more weirdness. This is two shows in one half hour. One is a Renegade parody, and the other <laughs> is a Hawaii Five O parody. What the fuck? <laughs> and they didn't greenlight Adam West look well? That was amazing. The Conan O'Brien This looks violin. to me like Adam West look well, pretty much. Really? Uh, play the clip, and you'll you'll listen to Adam West doing his Adam oh, West. Oh, I love Adam West. Oh, I've never seen contusions like this before, Tom. That's poi, sir. Well, whatever it is, it killed him. <laughs> Mike, what an interesting brooch. Captain, that's no brooch. Those are ninja stars. That's what killed him. Ninja stars. Do you know what that means, Samoki? It means the killer could be a ninja. I'll tell you what it means. It means the killer could be a ninja. I could watch this all fucking day. Adam West. It's funny. Actually, I watched the entire episode. The Renegade one is okay, Mm -hmm. but the Adam West one is just hilarious. Oh, so they don't all have Adam West. Yeah, it's half Renegade, half Adam West. Okay. Oh, and a, a show you might be more familiar with. I remember finding this difficult to watch, given how they aired it uh, on Nickelodeon. Wiener, wiener, wiener. Wienerville. Nickelodeon's Wienerville debuts this week. A very weird summer debut. And do you remember what time it aired? I don't Sun- know what this is. Sunday afternoons. Sunday afternoons. I don't remember Nickelodeon ever using that time slot uh, in such a way. Wienerville was Mark, comedian Mark Wiener who has like a history going like back to SNL and shit, uh, but a kind of a puppeteer. You, you'd know it if you saw it, Diana. He'd stick his face over the top of like a marionetted puppet that he'd be working, and he did a bunch of different uh, characters like that. Okay. And I, he's still out there touring with these characters. I think Nickelodeon gave them to him, but it, it began airing now, and they aired four episodes in a row for like 15 weeks. That's how it aired as a two hour. I thought it was a two hour show, but it was just they would air concurrent episodes and they had so many. It continued to air for quite a while. But he said Nickelodeon ultimately canceled it because they were moving into Invader Zim territory and you're a show about puppets and we don't want you on the network because he like hosted the Kids Choice Awards. He was like one of the weird faces, Mark Summers ish faces of Nickelodeon for a while. But yeah, Wienerville. Huh. I know there's a ton of nostalgic for it. I know our buddy Daniel in the Ladies Time Facebook community has been posting a bunch of stuff about Wienerville. <laughs> but something, uh, man, I was gravitating a little more towards MTV this week. And I don't think I tuned in for this, but this is like about when I start tuning in every year for the MTV Movie Awards. My Kind of my favorite award show. Uh, it was so goofy and fun. And this is where they really up the goofy it's the only the second annual awards it is hosted by eddie murphy eddie murphy eddie goddamn murphy and instead of having you know oscar style clips they have scenes reenacted by like half of the brady bunch family yes which 
makes a whole bunch of Gen Xers uncomfortable when they do the Basic Instinct one. Oh, no. Whoa. Oh, they oh, do. Yeah. That's not surprisingly a bit visual, not great for podcasting. So <laughs> please enjoy the Few Good Men one instead. Carol Brady, did you order the code red? You don't have to answer the question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! Greg, you can't handle the truth. Son, we live in a house that has one bathroom. And that bathroom has to be cleaned. Who's going to do that? You? You, Peter? You, Cindy? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know. That Marsha's grounding while tragic was necessary because she did not fulfill her cleaning duties. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't like to talk about at birthday parties and scout meetings. You want me in that bathroom. You need me in that bathroom. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm still excited <laughs> by this. That oh. And because yep. I believe that the tone of the MTV Movie Awards, like all those people got hired to make the Oscars eventually. Eventually, and yeah. I think they, they've since moved on. But like stuff. the Oscars in the 2000s were a lot like the MTV Movie Awards. Yeah. And they the just Emmys as well. Do, do something silly. Uh, yeah. During the original broadcast, the Malcolm X bit was cut because it was just not funny. But you can find it still. It's... Not good. It's just not funny. Really? It's not funny. But yeah, if you ever wanted to see Mrs. Brady playing Malcolm X? No, but in the interrogation scene, basic instinct. Ah, yes, I have. I have wanted to see that. And later making out with Greg. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. They're not blood related. It's fine. They're not blood related. It's fine. It's not illegal. Woody Allen did it, and everyone loves him. And. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> moving it, on to games oh, of 1993 a bunch of weird mishmash of games muhammad ali heavyweight boxing <gasps> for the game boy uh <laughs> yeah, how heavyweight can you, you know be? it's one of those things he hadn't boxed in years but he was still so famous in the early 90s oh, yeah. that it's just, Fuck yeah uh, I, I think he's one of those people who lived like jerry lewis who lived so long he outlived a majority of the people who would appreciate him <sighs> Okay, but why didn't we ever get like the estate of Babe Ruth doing like Babe Ruth baseball? Yeah. I'm guessing, like I'm that. literally guessing nobody thought of that because most of the, the games that were put out in this era were either based on the league or based on nothing. Right. RBI baseball, uh, bases loaded, having like no official support of any kind. I always thought it was weird that there were so many fucking Spider-Man games on Game Boy, a system I did not yet have, Spider, such as Spider-Man 3, Invasion of the Spider-Slayers. And then I eventually played them and like, that's fine. These Spider-Man yeah. games are awful. <laughs> but uh, a big game that came out this week, especially during the Street Fighter 2 Mortal Kombat era, it was always a new arcade fighting game looking to steal that quarter-based thunder. And I think Samurai Showdown came close because it was doing this kind of amazing zoom in, zoom out effect that uh, no games had really done at that point. But uh, Samurai Showdown is out now in arcades. And yeah, being someone obsessed with games and reading every magazine and you'd still walk into arcades like once every month and be absolutely gobsmacked. Like, what the fuck is this? I've never heard of this. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> weird, weird era. Yeah. And you never knew what they add. This game added the rage gauge or pow gauge. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the first time any fighting games had those. And Oh yeah, I guess that's, yeah. Street Fighter hadn't had any, any kind of gauge, gradual gauge at all yet. No. 
On the PC, you got Princess Maker 2. Let's let Diana field this one. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> look right. on her face when I said that was like, fuck you. <laughs> so this is a game where you're the hero of destiny who has saved the land. And as a result, the gods give you a star child and you are ordered to raise that star child and how she ends up will determine humanity's fate. And you decide her schedule when she goes to school, if she gets a job, and uh, she can end up as everything from a prostitute to prime minister. Ah, so it's a parenting sim, but the fate of the world is there. Bingo. Ah, nope. And then (laughs) next is a curiosity I had never really heard of. I think I'd glance at this, but didn't realize Wayne's World for PC is a completely different game than the awful Wayne's World. It's like an adventure game. What? It's it's a horrible adventure game yes. with horrible puzzles. It doesn't stay true to the spirit of Wayne's World. There's a crazy little lizard monster. I mean, what the hell does that have to do with <laughs> Wayne's World? They do. It just I'm looking at the dialogue and it does manage to like squeeze in like it mentions Madonna, whereas like most games are terrified of mentioning anybody celebrity by name that they can't make a lot of the references that Wayne's World did. Again, we have a stream of the game ruining jokes from Wayne's World because of the rights they're too afraid to pay, even though Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody is in there. And I, just because there's nowhere else to say it, someone in the Laser Time Facebook community posted, the 4K version of Wayne's World restores the Stairway to Heaven riff that has been removed since the theatrical version. And I'm like, this is the biggest news of the week that no one's talking about. And this disc <laughs> has been out for months. I, I have not heard that in... 30 years in the movie and I'm like I might have to go get this on disc so there I'm squeezing that news in there Wayne's World 4k disc restores the stairway the stairway riff never heard it before it's already it's like eight notes top. it's like three but it's like yeah it's instantly recognizable because like yeah. even now like how did he know he was going in the stairway it's very clear in the original version I have no yeah. idea what happened Led Zeppelin lightening up I have a feeling they just didn't bother to ask. Anyway. In some ways, it's funnier if it's just one note. It's mm-hmm. literally, it's <laughs> no stairway. Like, yeah, you can't no, sue over that. One, it should be one note. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> anything that starts with that note is stairway. I, I, no. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, we'll go into some music. Altered Beast, don't get excited, gamers. It's an album by Matthew, Matthew Sweet. How dare he? <laughs> Matthew Sweet's Golden X. How could he do that? We got the debut, uh, a solo debut of Bjork. Bjork! Um, Wonderfully weird Bjork. Uh, The self-titled debut of Tony Braxton. And man, will this album stick around. We got Mm. Whoop! There it is. I think that would go on to be the superior to the Woot There it is. There's two different songs, if you remember. 95 South is the other one. Tag Team is out this week. Born Gangsters by Boss. And we're going to close out of this segment by uh, with Week by SWV. Sisters with Voices, please lead us out of here. We have a lot to talk about because it's Pirates of the Caribbean time.
Coming in with uh, <clears throat> coming in with Crazy in Love by Beyonce featuring Jay-Z. It's number one, as it should be. Oh, me... and it's going to be number one for a whole long time. Beyonce is here. I Deal get... with it. For me, for me, that Shy Lights uh, sample is oh. doing a lot of the work, but like it's played more than the original song, and that's good. That is good. It's such a good sample. That's what samples are for. It really is. Welcome to 2003. July 7th to the 13th. Other new releases include North Atlantic Drift by Ocean Color Scene. Officially Dead by Veruca Salt. Diamond Dave by Diamond, <laughs> Diamond David Lee Roth. The self-titled album by Thalia. And something I wish I had looked up beforehand. WWE Originals. A wrestling soundtrack album of new material by the wrestlers. And... Stone Cold doesn't sing, but he opens up the album by hurting people. Kurt Angle sings, I don't suck, because people would chant, you suck at him. <laughs> I gotta know everything about this album. Holy shit. <laughs> Put a little ass on it by Rikishi. That's the guy who hurt people with his ass. Yeah, WWE Originals. Little bit of news to bring you to the wonderful world of 2003, 20 years ago, July 7th to the 13th. Not a lot of news. I, I just, the only thing I saw shouldn't say that made me happy, but it uh, on this week, I think this is when Jeffrey Jones has to register as a sex offender after pleading no no, no contest to taking lewd photos of an underage boy. Mm. And I was like, and he continued to work after that? And I had to look at, uh, not really, not really. We haven't mm, seen a lot of, little, a lot little of bit. Rooney Criswell in a little, little while. Went back to his old role on Deadwood, and that's about as notable as it got. But <laughs> movies are incredibly notable. And Son of a boy. Bitch. All right. First it, of all, I'm calling it the Battle of the Norringtons. Yeah. One of them is directed by a guy named Norrington, and one of them has a major act guy named character named, named and, Norrington. Also, only two movies, big budget adventure movies. If you'd asked me to place my exactly, bets, you might have been yeah. wrong. I would have been wrong. Did, Disney wrong. Disney might have bet wrong. They were not sure about the film they will be releasing. But first. The film I might have bet on, just because I like Alan Moore more. And, uh, Richard Roxburgh, Jason Fleming, no, oh, Jesus, Nessie Rudin, Shaw, uh, Shane West, Stuart Townsend, Tony Curran, Peta Wilson, and of course, Sean Connery and the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Welcome to the League of Extraordinary oh, Gentlemen. Perfect. When the whole world is threatened, the world's greatest adventurer must unite the powers of five legends Cheers. into one extraordinary force. Let's put it to the test. Whoa. Dr. Jekyll, I just had it. Discover the most original action adventure of the summer. Naughty. Sean Connery. The game is on. Shane West. Take the wheel! This Friday, the legends come to life. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Rated PG-13. Oh. This movie. Son of a bitch. So I would just say I walked into this having not yet read League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the graphic novels. Mm -hmm. And I was still betting on this because Alan Quartermain, who is who Sean Connery plays, is kind of the original Indiana Jones in a lot of ways. And he's being played by fucking James Bond and Indy's dad. And I was expecting two fisted adventure starring a bunch of characters who are not under copyright <laughs> but they're good characters they're fun characters this is going to be neat this is going to be for you know history lit nerds like me and the writer and the director of this are both in movie jail to this day yeah and the star of it went into self-imposed movie jail yeah. This is the film that broke Sean Connery. Yeah. This is the film when yeah. he was like, nope, not going to do this anymore. So that's it. The 90s segment will mention Sean Connery, but really the 2000s and 2010s, 
Nope. Yeah, I think he would do nope. a vocal performance for a James Bond game, but he does not appear okay, in, yeah. in, in movies ever again. Because he, no. he was still, I don't want to say a box office draw, but like he was treated like that in this film. There's no one else yeah. you would know uh, who's in this we, movie. We could have gotten Sean Connery as Dumbledore. Instead, yes. we got this film. Yes. Wow. I, it's like you have to be trying to make this not work. <laughs> It's well, they don't baffling. understand the appeal of the material. I did read the graphic novel, mm-hmm. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and it is dark. It is Alan Moore at his Alan Moriest, where he's mm-hmm. just like, the world is sucky and let me show you why it is. And they miss the tone. You know, mm-hmm. this is 2003. There's not a lot of respect for source material if that source material is comic books. There's really not. Yeah. yeah. It just, it's bizarre to me because the thing I always like to throw in Alan Moore's face, like, shut up about people adapting your material. This is your story where you adapted other people's material. A lot of other people. Uh, So it can be done. But they didn't even need to license his books. They could have just done this. No, if you have this exact group and this exact scenario, I don't know. I think you've got a lawsuit Mm, on your hands. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. But here's the thing like, I know, I've never, I've watched this movie several times i had a friend who loved it and we would make fun of him for it and i you know we're (laughs) friends and he'd kind of lead into it i'm putting it on again dude gone gone what are you doing and and so i've just always ignored it and then i you know i was seeing uh, a a woman last year and her kid got really into dorian gray thanks to some unabiding crush on ben barnes and travel and then i like notice on my streaming service like girl did you watch league of extraordinary gentlemen on my account and like yeah was that a problem like no, but yeah. Like, why did? Why would you watch that movie? And she's like, "What was wrong with that movie?" And like, it's bad. And she's like, "Why?" I'm like, okay, I get. I, I guess I'm kind of stumped to explain why this movie okay, is I'll, awful to I'll a say teenager. Why it's bad? Okay, mm-hmm. the characters don't interact with each other in interesting ways. They don't have a lot of inner depth to them. The action scenes are overblown without any tension. It's like watching a video game. And I'm a not bit, yes. scared. Yep. Nothing has any, any weight these. in, uh, yeah. The CGI does not hold up. Uh, Ooh, no. Mr. Hyde looks yes. so horrible. I he, wanted to bring up, because even at the time, people were like, dude, Hulk just came out a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And Hyde looks so bad compared to Hulk. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is a huge, huge misfire. And I think the, he- the aging of Dorian Gray looks far, far worse than the aging in Last Crusade, which was made 14 years before this film. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I just, this this is so frustrating because it's like, it's another one of those, all the pieces are there. And then every time you had to make a decision, you pick the wrong ones. The characters are massively underdeveloped. There's some, th- there's some things in there I like, okay. Not keeping Captain Nemo uh, of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Indian Guy and the Nautilus looks fucking cool. Do they do anything with it? No. They they needed to stop the second they got to the page where they go to Venice and then they fight using a car. In Venice. <laughs> Italy. I've been, yes. That's not possible. A city not really known for having a single fucking car. Or streets. Or, yes. Or roads. Drivable surface. There's no way to turn. No, yeah, that's impossible. No. It's just, oh, and like the plotting, I just started laughing at one point because even in the theater, I went and saw this in the theater because the bad guy shows up and he's always like, yeah, I am a bad guy. I'm going to do a bad thing. And they're like, we will stop you. And then he runs away like a bitch every time. It happens like four times in a row. It's like, 
well, now I'm not really scared of your bad guy. <laughs> he's just, just, just scampers away. Like, oh, poopy. Oh, bo- oh, they're mad at me. Oh, no. No. <laughs> oh, it's, there's like no plot. Like, what is happening? Why? Yeah. Why? Why are we doing this? Because it was an available comic book property. And those are becoming very hot. In the end, it actually did make some money, yeah. you know, uh, especially but, overseas because it's like, you know, a big spectacle and stuff. And they made, I guess they made some choices like to not have Fu Manchu be a character because that's going to get offensive. Like mm-hmm. there, there's no way to avoid that. I guess we can be offensive to African tribesmen, but, you know, not the Chinese. uh, Wow. Also, let's not forget the the marketing of this is LXG, which I thought was hysterical. LXG. (laughs) I love legs. Everyone loves legs. (laughs) Um, But uh, in the original graphic novel, James Bond's grandfather is the one who runs the organization, and they missed the chance to have Sean Connery introduce himself his own grandfather. To, to his own grandfather. Wow. Um, I, <laughs> yeah. Bond. And then, then Gus Bond. <laughs> yeah, and then there's a later book where James Bond's a character, but they can't say that that's James mm-hmm. Bond. Hilarious. Which I thought was kind of fun. But, oh, my God. Yeah, you have all these cool things. You know, you got an invisible man and you got Lena Harker. They just turned into a vampire, I guess. And Dorian Gray and Jekyll and Hyde. You came up with anything for them to do. Anything that's interesting at all. Nope. I, yes. And so, you have to imagine Lionsgate thought, we got a shot this week if we release this movie this week. Because what's our competition? Ah, it's a little thing from Disney. Uh, no one really has any faith in it. A genre that... There hasn't been a good movie in this genre for more than 15 decades. It is a dead genre and a brand that doesn't really mean anything to anyone. And I'm still taken aback by this. Jack Davenport, Jonathan Price, Jeffrey Rush, Kira Knightley, Orlando Bloom, Johnny Depp. It's lo and behold, turns out to be number one at the box office. Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. We are cursed, man. I hardly believe in ghost stories anymore. They've taken Elizabeth. I shall take you to the Black Pearl. You're a pirate. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. That's the best pirate I've ever seen. You best start believing in ghost stories. You're in one. Such a silly line that I love to death. (laughs) No, I love so many lines from this film. This is such a quotable film. The ones you Mm -hmm. heard also. I use... Well, it's more in the nature of guidelines, really, all the time whenever I want to break some rule, you know, doesn't matter, work, whatever. It's really a guideline. It's such a perfect sentiment. And and, and I just want to, like, get where I was 20 years ago out there. I am now deep into collegiate film studies. And Mm. in my off time, I'm going through Scorsese's catalog and Kurosawa. And I'm dating a girl at the time. She's like, I just saw a movie that's really moved me, and I think you're going to make fun with fun of me. We just trust me and go with me. And she takes me to this, which like I'm pretty sure I just like I'm not seeing a fucking movie based on a Disney theme park ride at this point. Yeah. We've had Country Bears, very yeah. very forgettable. And then I think I didn't have the greatest attitude. She's like, wasn't it amazing? Like it's fine. Watching it again, maybe it was good to watch it after the Lone Ranger. <laughs> yes, I wanted yes. to talk about this because we talked about Lone Ranger, which is made by the same people last week, and that 
has most of these same elements that does not hold together. And I, this time watching it, it was literally my entire time was me going, why is this working? Mm -hmm. Because it is a very strange format for a movie. Because first of all, it's a pirate movie and those have all been failures. Going back to it, Cutthroat it just, Island. It was just done. It was like the most recent one. It was just done. It was like the, the, yeah. the, the like we talked about Sinbad, the Saturday matinee movie of like the 50s to the 70s. It wasn't a genre, a triple A genre they approached. And I was no. even like, nope. yeah, Disney always death genre. Disney always had the idea like we should adapt Pirates of the Caribbean. In terms of Pirates, it is a recognizable franchise because most people know of the ride. But you got to be honest with yourself. How many people have actually been to Disneyland or Disney World? Like, Oh, probably a over a hundred million. Yeah, but I, yeah. I would say there's not as many people as like who have seen like Spider Man do something. There's there's like not as much pull with the pirates. Like even though like yeah, almost I, everything I we celebrate know. about pirates does come from that ride, including the Yo Ho song that is mm. written for the ride. Yeah. When I was a young boy, I wanted to stay at the pirate gift shop yeah. in Disneyland and get everything there. Uh, I mean, it had a certain attraction to it. Yeah, my, and, my favorite yeah. Legos were pirate-themed before they started licensing stuff. There was a desire yeah. there, and, and, and Disney wanted to make it. And I did admire, the, like, reading that, uh, what's his name, Gore Verbinski is like, no, we should, like, approach this seriously. And we should raise the budget. Disney's live-action movies are made to be quickly done and forgettable and cheap. That's what they all were up until this point. And and I think it took someone to convince Michael Eisner, like, no, we're trying to make like a Lord of the Rings movie. You you have to spend $150 million on this if you want this to compete in that landscape. And they started designing it with that. I don't know where they got the guts to do it, to be honest. Well, it's an yeah. amazing screenplay. Yeah. I got to say, this is a damn near perfect action movie. I'm not sure there's anything I'd take away or add to this going after yeah. what it's going for but that that's the thing that i find so strange is it's it's a dead genre it's it's a cursed genre mm -hmm. um and then what is in this is not what we're what we associate as much with pirates there there's no treasure map there's mm -hmm. no you know it's not pirates versus the navy uh, it, it's no, no a little a kid little. Of that. actually yeah, yeah there's there a little bit that. but but a little yeah, kid doesn't get kidnapped uh, or anything like that yeah that's the, the main plot is not pirates versus navy it's not this ship versus that ship the main plot is pirates versus other pirates versus the navy and we got people stuck in the middle of it because it takes 40 minutes for the actual plot to show up <laughs> until then it's we're introducing all the characters and we understand that okay well Kira Knightley, who's at this point the girl out of Bend It Like Beckham, this is mm -hmm. kind of her first big thing. We get to know who she is really quickly, and we understand, oh, she likes books. So for the rest of the movie, we understand that, oh, she knows all this pirate shit because she yep. reads books. That, that's it. And, you know, we meet Orlando Bloom. Okay, he's like the big damn hero, but he's not very good at it yet. And then, th then the thing that makes the, the least sense the why it works is, is Johnny Depp. Which apparently the executives hated and said he was ruining the movie. Wow, that's I yeah. mean because well, I'm coming into it, into this co as just credit for creating the character yeah. of Jack Sparrow because yeah. Jack Sparrow on the page is not the Jack Sparrow yeah. the entire world fell in love with. Jack Sparrow in the script is not the Jack Sparrow everyone dressed up as Halloween for a solid decade. Yeah, okay? it, it, imagine this yeah. being like played like by like Ryan Reynolds or something. He could easily handle the dialogue, but it would be read and told so much. I even saw Roger Ebert like, I just got to give Johnny Depp credit for not only playing like 
I've never seen a pirate like this. I've never seen a human being behave like Johnny Depp does in this movie. Just Keith, god damn it! It's Keith. Keith is a little Hunter Thompson, and yeah, and and that's that. that I remember that. Yeah. You know, being a film snob, I was just like, ah, I've seen him do that in Fear and Loathing. But watch I, again, I watched it now with like less snobbery, and I had a great time with them. And I, I, I've had a great time. I fell in love with the series in the second film. Really? Yes. Because it, 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 my only complaint about this movie is that it is far less lavish as the films will end up being because it's yeah. it's still relatively cheap for like the summer blockbuster style. But I am obsessed with how like we talked about Jurassic Park's impact on film. This is astounding just because no one I don't think anybody expected this to be the hit that it was to, to bowl mm-hmm. over audience to reintroduce this genre to people to it is based on an existing property technically but there's no Barbosa or Jack Sparrow in the ride These I can't are- think of a modern equivalent maybe if you bring back the detective movie like yeah. the 1940s noir detective movie and have that make 500 million dollars who framed Roger maybe Rabbit something like yeah. that uh, yeah <laughs> but I I it is so bizarre I, to bring back the pirate genre, which was never that huge in the first place. And it made it huge. I mean, Princess and Pirates was a thing at Disneyland for they, about a decade and a half because they sell, were like, we've got the princess. They still sell the hat and braids. And yes, it, it, as far as I you know, am obsessed with the Disney company, I always called pre-acquisition. And going through the adjusted gross for highest grossing Disney movies, if you remove the live action remakes and the animated films and Marvel and Star Wars, there is one live action Disney movie that has grossed more than Pirates of the Caribbean. Do you, can, I'm going to say, can you guess the movie? I couldn't, but you'll be like, oh, of course. One live action Disney movie has made more adjusted for inflation than Pirates of the Caribbean. You're not counting Roger Rabbit as no. live action. But even then, it, do, it does not come close to matching what nope. Pir- Pirates... Pirates would become, on its own, a $5 billion property, putting it in the top 10 movie franchises that have ever existed. Mary Poppins. Oh. Uh, Mary, Mary, okay. that, is the, that is the only thing that has touched... Think about live action Disney movies. Cheetah, Flight of the Navigator, it's Cheetah mm. Girls, I don't know, like all this scrappy stuff that is meant to be forgotten, consumed by kids and reluctant adults. And this is the first time they didn't really do that and had the balls to put Disney's name on it. It is their first PG-13 movie. There are over 100 God people damn. killed in this movie. Like, that's a huge... And they killed... A lot of people are knocked out and destroyed off screen. Yeah. One axe to the shoulder. I'm guessing they're counting mm-hmm. them as dead. But that's... That, that is not only... A, that, that paves the way for Disney to buy things like Marvel and Star Wars. And, okay, we're going to branch out in a little more mainstream subject matter. Pirates gave them the cojones to start making movies that normally would never be associated with the Disney brand. And and hmm. I don't think they've ever achieved any success like Pirates, especially with this pretty consistent ride adaptation. I just don't know how that goes. Because they bought Marvel. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. Yeah. filling their boys' niche. They have the princess for the girls, and they've got Marvel for the boys, and that's it. Uh, yeah. They'll continue to make Pirates movies forever, I think, just because of the brand is big. But I don't think they'll ever try to make a new pirates i don't think we'll see big thunder mountain as a 200 million dollar spectacle i'm with you and as big a fan i am as the underrated Tomorrowland, yeah i I don't i don't see it happening either there's another haunted mansion coming i know i know yeah we'll see yeah well i think the other other thing is that this is you know it's oh my god these pirate movies mint money no one else really bothers to try to touch a pirate movie you know the the next big pirate movie after this one 
Hmm. Not... It's the porno. Ah! It's oh. the million dollar porno. Because the, the second movie, right. I, I think the third movie technically has, up to that time, the highest budget of any movie ever made. Yes. Yeah. And... Now, see, and here's the thing we were saying that you like the second one more. I like this one the best by a fair margin because when it comes to fantasy, I like there to be like one magical thing mm. and everything else is normal. And when we start getting too much magic involved and too much lore, I feel like you can always deus ex machina your way out of stuff. Right. This one, there is one magical thing. It is nice and clear. This gold is cursed. These pirates are cursed. They got to get the gold. The end. It is. Yeah. They weren't planning this to be a five movie series. That's they, no. the they thing did. I like about the, the next two is that they pretend they back to the future it and pretend it, this was a trilogy all along. Yeah. Well, yeah. All the all the early ads for this, it was pretty much right when they released it. They tacked on Curse of the Black Pearl as yeah. a subtitle. Yeah. Against yep. the director's wishes. Like the fucking gold is cursed. Not the not the ship. Yeah. The boat's <laughs> not cursed. So the people with the gold are cursed. Yeah. They could be on a different boat and it, the title wouldn't work at all. But I, They're still I, cursed. I, but what I do like about the second one is just because it, it, you know, it's just the sequel. It hits the ground running. It starts with set pieces like immediately where this has. Right. A, you didn't have to spend 40 minutes introducing yeah. the characters in their world. Yeah. Like and, and so, like, I am deeply respectful now of Pirates of the Caribbean in the way I would talk about the first Star Wars. You can like other Star Wars better, but it's amazing how quickly this sets everything up and how elegantly it does that. It has what I think may be the best or maybe second best character introduction in all of film history. Jack Sparrow is awesome. looking all majestic at the top of it. And then a subversion. We see it's a dinky little ship that's sinking and then it keeps sinking. And he times it exactly right it's amazing. to step off onto the dock as his <laughs> ship sinks all the way to the bottom. Then he bribes the portmaster to let him on without taking his name. And then he steals the portmaster's money. All in yep. about one minute, you've learned everything about Jack. Yeah. We got All it. All visually, with like three lines of dialogue. Yep. And, and, I but, know. It's, that's the thing is that, yeah, it takes 40 minutes for the actual plot to kick in. But you're not bored during that time. No. There's some action going on. We get to know these characters, and and they keep it very lively and moving ahead. And my, Yeah, my, when, when we finally get to the pirate attack, you're like, cool. My, my only sizable complaint about this, I watched this on Disney Plus, where this is available and not Lone Ranger. I had to pay fucking real money to watch Lone Ranger. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that it's the HD version, and I don't know where this sits in digital film, but man, it is hella grainy. There's a 4K version that exists, but maybe isn't very good. Yeah, just I, I, my memory of Pirates is like two and three, these big, vast landscapes, and it's like, this is a lot of fog, a lot of CG, and a lot of like, just a lot of grain. Like, it looks, the transfer looks real bad, and I think that like Disney hmm. kind of owes it to the film franchise to make it presented a little better than it looked online, because it, it makes it look way older than it is. It's, we're in the HD era here. Come on, step it up, Disney. But yeah. I, I was shocked. I mean, yeah, by, like they built that whole like set for yeah. the town. It's very nice. Oh, it's so. it's mostly yeah, the the, it. the fake exteriors of uh, that that mm. don't look great. Not necessarily because the CG, just because of like the dancing grain in it. Like it's it's a Ghostbusters level. How mm. I ask how that that's <sighs> annoying. It's annoying, but yeah. it's, it's not a deal breaker. I had a, I was shocked. Like I'm not shocked, but like. I, why haven't I revisited this enough? This is I such revisited a fun film. it with my kids about two or three years ago, and it holds up completely. Yeah, no squirming, no running away, no no wanting to not watch it. They watched all of the original three with 
just very rapt attention. It's it's a it's a perfect action film. There, what is anything you'd change about this film? Nothing. Just the <laughs> just the transfer. Hmm. I it, what, the, the, but again the the thing it's pioneering is sort of what eventually becomes kind of a Disney formula that you see try and be worked in Lone Ranger. And I just had in my notes like. Daisy Ridley and Kira Knightley look so goddamn the same. <laughs> look so goddamn well, the this same. This made a Kira Knightley a star. Oh yeah. I think mm-hmm. you can make the case that it made Orlando Bloom a star. Yeah, yes, maybe. he had Lord of the Rings, but it was the one-two punch that made people think he could do something other than Lord of that's the Rings. That's pre- you're right. That's pretty incredible. To be in a Lord of the Rings movie the same year as Pirates of the Caribbean, the man has yeah. a good residual percentage. Holy Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy Lord. And it made Johnny Depp a star. A household he was name. famous, but he wasn't like the big headline guy you'd pay tens of millions of dollars no, for. I, but he I, was after this film. I got obsessed with box office numbers and I'm like, what is the highest grossing Johnny Depp movie up until this point? And it's like Ooh. sort of what you'd expect. Well, other than Chocolat is like crazily one of his highest grossing movies before yeah. this. But it's like Donnie Brasco. And it's all like less than half to a third what pirates would go on to make so like as a a film person i was like on the you know whatever you think about him now totally on the johnny 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 depp train to see the world discover and become obsessed with johnny depp was pretty nuts when i'm 23 22 years old but yeah Mm. that's he becomes a every one of his highest grossing movies happens after this and he can get movies made just by being in them because that's how, like, yep. I thought we were like, even in this period, we were sort of done with movie stars. But Johnny Depp becomes one of the top 10 movie stars in the world because of Pirates. Yep. Yeah. I just have to shout out the rest of the cast, though. Oh, this yes. movie is so well cast. I, I think the secret MVP is Jeffrey Rush. He yeah, looks amazing. like he is having so much fun playing dress him up and just going yar literally going yar at motherfuckers. <laughs> I want Jack Davenport to have a better career. The guy who plays Norrington. And it's not just because his mom is John Cleese's wife in A Fish Called Wanda, like my favorite movie. <laughs> it's the, it's the, uh, the only thing I've seen Gareth from the original office ever in, ever again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's fun. And you know, his character's and, uh, great. Like, those those yeah. small characters are amazing. There's so many of them, too. And they managed to find business for everybody, which I, might be the problem as you head into sequels is they have to keep finding business for people and it's like some of these people should probably just get drunk and wander off some of them should have been one and done characters there's there's no reason every character in one needed to can you in two three four and five Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Uh, but there's so many wonderful aspects to this film like when barbarossa is watching uh kira knightley eat an apple yeah it's just like you instantly know his motivation. Yeah, he's lusting he after the feel... apple and not her. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't feel anything. You know, when my wife was pregnant, she couldn't eat sushi. And the look she gave me if I ever ate sushi in front of her was very much of, that's something I want, but I cannot have. Mm. And yeah. Barbarossa captures that perfectly. It's it's a well-crafted, I'm going to say it, this is a masterpiece film. I think it's kind of nuts. And I don't know what, how after the ring did they, they have enough faith with Gore Verbinski to make something like this? I don't know. Like the ring is really solid, but does it have any action sequences in it? It, it has some very scary sequences it some in it, but does it cinema, have... Cinemagraphically very pretty sequences, but there's nothing yeah. that would lead, like, but it, again, same thing with Peter Jackson from Beat the Feebles to Lord of the Rings. Like <laughs> maybe he's just good in the pitch room. I don't know. 
but it, it, it's it's astoundingly lavish, and Disney does not spend this kind of money on stuff. I don't know. There's all this stuff about Michael Eisner, like, no way this is happening. Everybody who's trying to make it happen should be fired. Like, because that is where I would probably be as an executive. This genre is dead. This brand doesn't mean much. What the fuck are you doing? And in fact, they, I think he made, he forced them to like remove more overt Pirates of the Caribbean ride references. And now that I've, I've probably been on the ride 15 times more than when the movie came out, mm-hmm. you kind of got to know, like uh, other than a couple sequences, they're real hidden Easter eggs in there for yeah. ride fans. Yeah. And yeah. That's pretty much the dog. No, the, the there's, a, a there's a ton of it. The song, the par- the stuff the parrot says, there's little yeah. dialogue drops. Uh, no, for me, this is the perfect adaptation of a ride yeah. because a ride doesn't have great plot, great characters. A ride has a vibe, and this is 100% the vibe yeah. of the Pirates of the Caribbean rides. These yeah. aren't realistic the- pirates. These are fantasy pirates mm-hmm. you want to be. Yeah, and the, the Pirates ride, I mean, it's basically just a series of scenes that kind of tell a story but they're mostly they're somewhat out of order but really it's a best of things you want to see in a pirate yeah. movie you want to see a town get ransacked you probably want to see uh, a bunch of cannon fire um some drinking maybe something gets burned down you definitely want to see some drinking and ha- and sleeping with a pig yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's the only pirate fact i have i'm like a lot of gays a lot of gays in the the real pirate community because who else would there be (laughs) yeah okay actually that does remind me there is one complaint i have about this movie that if they made it today we would have some real black characters Mm. there's uh, there yeah there's a little over the top so (laughs) yeah there's basically two black characters uh and they're both like monsters and there's zoe saldana who doesn't get anything to do starting her path to become the queen of green screen movies. Yeah. Because yep. <laughs> in the future pirate movies, she's going to get a lot of green screen and then Avatar green screen and then uh, Guardians of the Galaxy green screen. She's I meant to all green. read more into it. She is being politely vocal now about having a horrible experience with this entire production and not liking anyone. I mean, it's kind of nice to see her secure enough to where she can say that shit. And I, I think right. and I don't mean the cast, everyone else. Okay. Oh. Wonder what she's talking about. Can't wait for the book. Hmm. But yeah, nice. I, I was very much more pleased to revisit this than I had ever hoped. And, and again, I think this steers a different course for the entire entirety of Disney's company after this to really refocus on live action and entertainment. Like everything Disney had made that was lucrative other than Mary Poppins. And this is all their cartoons. Like that was Mm. where they made their money. And Pixar was nipping at the heels of even that legacy. I would not have bet on this as as much as Disney did with the talent and the money. Holy Lord. And again, it's from the, it's from the two writers of Sinbad and the Lone Ranger. Holy God. In terms of the show's, Ted Elliott and what's his name are having a week. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And then yeah, by the end of the year, fourth highest grossing film of the year beats Terminator Three, beats the Third Matrix. Yeah. The, That's yeah. That is insanity. Adju- I was looking at adjusted <laughs> name for inflation. A pirate movie that you like. Adjusted for inflation, <laughs> this movie beats Terminator Two. Flags. This this beats Terminator Ooh. Two. This beats Around the World in Eighty Days. Like this is. A fucking huge, huge movie. The likes that Disney, I would doesn't even know what to do with. Yeah. They're, what's their famous live <laughs> that's action? Why they just, that's why they just shovel money at the yeah. at the sequels. Yes. What's their their famous live action movie series at this point? Herbie. Tron. Well, huh? There's going to be another Tron. <laughs> yes, yes. Tron will one day. The slowest trilogy in the history of film. Herbie, dog. <laughs> there are four, five Herbie movies. 
six if you count the television remake. <laughs> Herbie. I know I'm missing one in there, but uh, but yeah, this this changes everything. All the highest grossing live action Disney movies are all based on existing properties or have Johnny Depp involved somehow. Uh, but it changes fucking everything. And I, I think I've always suspected it's got something to do with copyright, all these live action remakes. But I think it's got more to do with how well pirates did. You the old those Disney movies made so much adjusted for inflation by being re-released in theaters every six years, not because they did astounding theatrical runs in a summer. So in order to compete in that space, they had to have pirates as a template, like, yeah, I guess we can make a Cinderella movie like this. <laughs> or a, everybody hated the Dumbo movie. Dumbo's one of the highest grossing live action Disney movies ever. And I think that all comes from like putting the money into pirates. Because you look at all the stuff they were putting out that wasn't animation before this. That's sort of why I hate it because it did de- deprioritize animation. But like, you know, certain aspects of the CG, that's all animation anyway. Some of these live action remakes don't involve any live action. Lion King, looking at you. Yeah. The- and how about instead of just remaking something that I watch and go, boy, I miss the original. <laughs> this looks so much like the original. Yeah. How about fucking gamble, you bitches? Gamble right. on a dead genre. Let me throw this out there. Remake mm-hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean as an animated film. Do the reverse. Hmm. Ooh. Hmm. 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 I mean, they might have to. Everyone's getting old, and Johnny Depp has been vehement, like, I'm not doing any more of these. That There's a Margot Robbie spinoff announced that is just kind of hanging around in development hell. See, I, I don't think non-Johnny Depp pirate movies are going to work for Disney. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember when everyone was dressing up as Will Turner or <laughs> Kira Knightley's character? Oh, and they had on Jonathan Price's wig. no i I, i'm with you i I don't know how exactly that works but like you were saying instead of just like remaking something everybody loves fleshing out something people have a passing familiarity with that's kind of neat yeah but then that's what lone ranger is well it is but like but in terms of like the whole like Pirate pirates the the term of the Caribbean is almost synonymous with pirates now as and it was before this movie and I don't really know why because I'd only been on the ride I lived in Florida I may may have been on the ride like two or three times before this movie came out it's it, I loved it but it wasn't like gonna get me into a movie theater because that's where the piracy was in the 1720s oh and 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 that's the other thing it is one of the only things that like came from the brain of Walt Disney it the ride yes. And in the studio, if you look at it, they do have like kind of a lot of faith in that, like things that were successful because Walt was involved. Walt was heavily involved in the ride, worked on it for years. And I think it came out the year of his death or the year afterwards. But like it was a big, big project. And he probably would have, we, if he was alive, he probably would have seen a movie well before this. But uh, hmm. yeah, kind of neat. Kind of neat. In, in terms of Disney company history, pre-Marvel, pre-Star Wars, pre-Pixar. Pirates of the Caribbean, Pixar. very recommended. I could, I think we can all say one of yeah, the best yeah. popcorn flicks we've we've ever discussed, in my opinion. Yeah, like I, I didn't even think of the script, but yeah, it's it's a fucking tight movie, and and to get this whole universe going, and it deserves a little bit of credit for that. Just damn, yeah, it's crazy. Yes, and uh, let's move on to television from twenty years ago, two thousand three, the seventh of July through the thirteenth. What's this? Just shoot me episode. I don't. Uh, there's something about Allison. Mm. Um, so the head of the just shoot me agency, I don't remember him, but the boss character Mm. goes to his high school reunion, looking to meet up with his good old buddy who has had a sex reassignment surgery and is now a woman has to deal with it. Gotta imagine treated very tastefully. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I don't think I. Yes, um, I, I, I. We missed it last week, but I wanted to give a shout out to Primetime Glick ending on Comedy Ugh. Central. Oh my God! I just from for Mel Brooks's ninety seventh birthday, I watched the episode of him on. What's Primetime your big Glick? beef with the Nazis? <laughs> One of the best that, questions ever asked Mel Brooks ever. Yeah, so, <laughs> I, I mean, if I were Martin Short, I probably would have retired after that because he fully breaks Mel Brooks. Like, he's cracking up; he cannot get his breath back. Ah, oh, I'd be so proud of myself. And yeah, and Martin Short just sits there completely unfazed, just letting him laugh it, it feels like it always you, felt you like you hear the crew laughing that's the best part i love when you can hear a crew laughing because my dad loved the show and it, it, this was like during a very south park era it was kind of an odd fit to be on comedy central in general i sort of wish it was on tcm for some reason because there's something very hmm. classic about the jiminy glick character and martin short clearly doesn't mind pulling pulling it out here and there loves to do the character would go on to make a movie appear in more shorts i just glad his final interview was with john McEnroe, and <laughs> the one moment i didn't expect is how he you can't you can't hear it well but how he gets very very sad just at the mention of princess diana what was that like what? we're playing at wimbledon that's in england that's correct. It's a tremendous feeling. The tradition there is fantastic, yes. and he, sometimes even the queen and king show up. The king and queen showed up. I've you seen. know I knew Princess Diana, right? <laughs> Say you feel the same way I do. Did the queen kill Diana? Answer me yes or no. Um, I refuse to answer on the grounds I may be incriminated. I'm referring to Queen Latifah. There's a rumor. <laughs> I don't know why this is so entertaining. But, uh, I very much love that character. Animation news. Holy crap. I'd never heard of the show Free For All on Showtime. And it sent me on like just a massive, what the fuck was this? A completely forgotten Showtime animated show. Went seven episodes. It's not the first adult adult animated show hbo had done spicy city sexy spawn and then that's sort of it like there's we we have stuff in adult swim and it's hard to call that not adult but like there's still things you can and can't show on those networks to this day this shows intercourse private parts although it's animated in a way i could only describe looks like a very uh, like a animation in a pc game that you'd see in like the early 90s and but it's the first animated show to be presented in hd 20 years ago and i was mainly it was created by brett uh merhar and it was just reading across the wiki and then it's just one sentence and uh, 10 years later he was beaten to death huh what, <laughs> what? <laughs> yes the creator of the show was beaten to death <laughs> and, uh it was just said no so nonchalantly and this is after like, I, like there are no clips of this there are very few clips of this on youtube they stutter a lot they're very very bad format wise clips the animation isn't great it's very of the era but there is nothing else like this these premium networks in America, at least, we don't get uncensored animation, not until like the Netflix era. This free-for-all, I'd never heard of it. Featuring the voices of uh, Juliette Lewis and uh, Jonathan Silverman. All comes back to Weekend hey, at Bernie's. Hey, he's back. Hey. And uh, speaking of animation going adult, I, I remember thinking this was nuts right when I was lacking access to MTV. But MTV announces we are going to have the new Spider-Man series. It's called Spider-Man, the new animated series. And... Spider-Man's whole animated history revolves around, hey, kids are watching, don't have them punch things. Hey, this character, don't let him use his powers. Don't let him do anything. That's not really a factor on MTV. It's not for children. And as a result, it lasted one season because MTV's like, this sticks out like a sore thumb in our programming. <laughs> and if you've seen the animation, it is like very, very stilted CG. It is very, very 
early TV budget CG. It doesn't look great. But it had uh, a bonkers voice cast. Yes. Neil Patrick Harris, Rob Zombie, Kathy Griffin, you know. Fucking the only uh Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin. Ah. Yep. It, this I is the only time that ties in, like only character in this series that ties into any of the movies. And I, I, I didn't, I was not aware he had another performance in him. But also, it was widescreen, which was yep. super rare for TV cartoons at that time. Like I was just saying, yeah, like the, the HD is possible, but most people don't have access to it. You know, iTunes is a coming, so might as well make it widescreen. <laughs> so we have a clip of Stan Lee doing commentary, having never never seen the program, despite yeah. him being in it. <laughs> yeah. He is in it. As a matter of fact, while you're saying it, I'm watching this particular episode, and it is so fascinating that I wish you guys would shut up. We're going <laughs> to be concentrated. We're going to have a moment of silence while Stan Lee watches our episode of what could be better. So anyway, as we said... <laughs> <laughs> it too early to put a CG show on cable like that. Good lord! Yeah, the tech is not there. The animation looks eye bleedingly bad. I mean, it looks like it looks like a video game for the most, like a cell shaded video game in terms of the movement. Uh, anyway, moving on to actual video games. Ha ha! Twenty years ago, two thousand three, Charlie's Angels on GameCube and PlayStation. Fuck you, Xbox. You don't get a Charlie's Angels game. Why? Yeah. It's a uh... Beat 'em up that shows so much ass. And we are talking <laughs> PS2 graphics. So don't get too excited about the Charlie Angels polygonal butts, but yeah. they are on full display. It looks like they have origami in their underwear. And that is this a expansion to Star Wars Galaxies for PC? Comes no, out this week? Or, oh, the actual game. First one. The okay. actual game. Yeah. And yeah. Star Wars Galaxies and Empire Divided. It went offline in 2011 but uh fan versions of it are out there you can still play it this is basically second life for star wars you had can play so many professions in this game it's mm -hmm. not just like you're a sith or a jedi it's like you can be a doctor you can be an architect you can be a repairman and you just live your star wars life and and i wasn't playing this game but i was hanging out with tons of people who did and you couldn't start the game as a Jedi. And then they're like, there's no Jedis in this game. And then slowly people started to level up and rumors started coming Dude, guy became a Jedi. It was like a thing you could do that wasn't mapped out. And people had to slowly figure out how to get those things you think of when you think of star Wars eventually hmm. to occur. And this game is fascinating just because this was probably the height of the MMO the MMO cycle and everybody wanted a Star Wars one. Everybody sort of got what they wanted. And the most silly thing I was involved with was um, we streaming was just started. And I was working at PC Gamer and I was talking to some of the guys who like, you know, love the game. Like, let's do a whole thing about the big party at the end of Galaxies. And I I guess I'd never seen that personally before where like the developers just Darth Vader's 40 feet high and doing the Cabbage Patch. And there's indoor fireworks <laughs> happening everywhere. It was one of the craziest Star Wars things I've ever seen. Everybody relogged onto their old account because it was free now and went in for one last hour long party. It was really cool when an online universe <laughs> shuts down. Anyway, uh, let's close out the 2003 segment with uh, I Want You slash No. Me. Well, I'm giving you a choice. Oh. We can we can do an actual song that was popular. I want you slash Mipona Sexy. There are two versions, English and, and Spanish by Thalia. Mm -hmm. Or we could go out with uh, something 
horrible off of the David Lee Roth album, which is him singing what's credited as that Beatles tune, but it's him singing Tomorrow Never Knows off of Revolver, which is, you know, a psychedelic masterpiece. It's fucking horrible. That's the horrible one's always going to be my vote. We could go take a look at the WWE album again, see if there's anything want there, or just some of that sweet ass pirate soundtrack by uh, Klaus Badelt, which he's. I I always thought this was Hans Zimmer, and I found out, oh, Badelt's like his right hand man. Mm. I I guess I go with with pirates. I love that music. It's fun music. It's very good. They are pirates. Pirates. Pirates it is. You don't want to hear David Lee Ross sing the Beatles. Not ever. No. Closing out with some pirates then. We'll take you out with pirates, but don't go anywhere. We got one more segment in the barrel. Stay right there. the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of july 7th through 13th let's just start off because we were talking pirate movies i gotta throw out like the best pirate movies of all time captain blood 1935 seahawk 1940 both of them with errol flynn both of them directed by michael curtis both of them with ridiculous music by eric wolfgang korngold who my god he's <laughs> the film composer everyone should know he just does the biggest stuff but Captain Blood and the Seahawk, it's its the same folks who did Adventures of Robin Hood. They had this down to a science, and they're both just fun as hell. You know, one is about a guy who's, like, forced to be a pirate because of, uh, well, the evils of colonialism. And the other one is about, uh, you know, dealing with the Spanish Armada and shit. They are so much fun. Both hold up really, really well. Errol Flynn, the king of swashbuckling. Sorry, Douglas Fairbanks. Uh, Captain Blood is the one I slightly prefer, because it's also got Basil Rathbone in it, and they were, the two of them, the best fencers in Hollywood back when you had to be good at sword fighting. <laughs> and they have a bitchin' fight in that one. Almost as good as the one in Adventures of Robin Hood, which is, like, way more iconic. But, so I gotta throw those out there. And then let's get to things that are actually hitting anniversaries. Moving backwards in time, 40 years ago, this week saw the debut of Reading Rainbow! Yay, I can fly! Almost as high as Butterfly. I... It's so weird. LeVar Burton's career is so strange. <laughs> it's like, I, I envy how beloved he is. Like, I, I wish literally generations of kids would just be like, oh, that's that nice guy that taught me how to read. Oh, that's so sweet. So, yay, reading Rainbow. You can look up a bunch of them on YouTube, and they're, they're just pleasant. Then, 50 years ago this week, saw the release of a lesser exploitation film, but goddamn is it fun. Cleopatra Jones, starring Tamara Dobson, who I think was an a model, but she is so hot. Bernie Casey and Shelley Winters is a bad guy who wants to bring drugs into the hood and is also like a predatory lesbian named, I think, Mommy. And there's lots of her, you're like, oh, I'll get that Cleopatra Jones! And then Cleopatra Jones is like super hot and drives a stingray and uh, fucks up everybody. And 
it's campy as hell, but it is it's really fun. It's it's almost a spoof of black exploitation at the height of black exploitation. Then seventy years ago this week, nineteen fifty three, we have two films. First of all. Uh, one I feel like I probably recommended a million times. Gentlemen Prefer Blondes from 1953 with Marilyn Monroe and Jane Russell. The curviest women in the history of mankind. And it's a musical based on a stage play that is about uh, like incel's worst nightmares because it's about pretty smart women who have figured out that, you know, you can't be a showgirl forever. So I'm going to be a gold digger. And it's just about them trying to find someone with money uh, and they'll just grab onto him like a like a leech and, and just that's that's all they care about but oh my god it's so much fun that's where diamonds are a girl's best friend that number comes from which is yeah, speaking of iconic oh my god so yeah, gentlemen prefer blondes one of my favorite hollywood musicals it is no one is no one looks like jane russell anymore i don't know if they ever did now she'd be a superhero called you know she'd be like giganta or something because she's curvy fucking woman anyway and she's fun she's, she's a fun comedian and then, a very important film that you don't know is important. From 1953, The Charge at Feather River, which is only important because it is the first real reuse of a sound effect that you have heard a hundred thousand times. Hit it, Chris. <gasps> it's the Wilhelm scream, everyone. is the, the origin of the Wilhelm scream is actually from 1951, a movie called Distant Drums, and it's labeled Man Getting Eaten by Alligator. But sound editor Ben Burt first heard it in charge of feather river named it after private wilhelm who takes an arrow to the knee and <laughs> has reused it ever since it, it was reused a whole bunch in the 50s because it was just part of the sound library then it fell off a little bit and then ben burt used it in all the star wars films all the indiana jones films and then other people picked it up it's in most pixar movies it's in man of steel <laughs> it's in all of the lord of the rings and hobbit movies and it was in Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, and I think all of the Car Pirates of the Caribbean movies too. More than 400 times people have used that clip because it is the best scream. It's the best fucking scream. And thank you. It is not 100% confirmed, but it's pretty close to confirm that that is Shep Woolley, who's the guy who sang Purple People Eater. Good for him. So yes, listen for the Wilhelm scream uh, wherever you work or bank. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. If you say what you want to say and let the words fall, honestly, I want to see you be brave. What you want to say and let the words fall, honestly, I want to see you be brave. Coming into 2013 with Brave off of the Blessed Unrest by Sarah Borelli's. Am I saying that name right? Who knows? Welcome to 2013, the final segment of 302010, and we're looking at the week of July 7th to 13th, like in music, where Schizo by Colette Carr is, is newly out, as is Echogenic by Frontline Assembly, The Black is Beautiful by Let Live, The Ocean of Sky by The Use, Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke, Surfer's Paradise by Cody Simpson, and of course, Blurred Lines, the song by Robin Thicke, featuring T.I. and Pharrell is still number one. 2013 news. Holy shit. This doesn't feel like 10 years ago. <sighs> 20 years or 10 years ago. 10 years ago, the hashtag Black Lives Matter is, is Black Lives Matter is created in response to the acquittal of George Zimmerman on trial for the murder of Trayvon Martin. God damn it. I 
yeah, I couldn't believe that this was 10 years ago. And then to see how this ties into one of the movies we're going to be talking about, it's like nothing fucking changes. It's just, it's just the same thing. Every day. This week, France is on fire because of the same bullshit. Just, right. yeah, let, let's just, we'll just get uh... j- gumpy. We'll get jumpy with guns because I see a, a person of color. Yeah. Right. Look, and, and look out. Think... Oh, no, a 17 year old. Everyone keeps getting off for things like this and their excuse being, well, I was scared. And then I think you have to ask, well, why were you scared by a kid? <laughs> by a kid? Did I, it have anything to do with the color of their skin? Cops and people. And, and I, I go back and forth between like this is a perfect thing to call the movement and also like clearly misunderstood by people who hate it. But Black Lives Matter, 10 year, happy 10 year anniversary. Oh, dear God. I, I do have a question for you guys. Which is worse, bad cops or fake cops? Like vigilantes? Well, fake yeah. cops is illegal, yeah. so that, yeah. that's my vote. But George Zimmerman is a fake cop. Mm-hmm. Who, he's he's a self-appointed cop for the Neighborhood Watch, and he just decides, I don't like that teenager walking there. I'm going to go confront him with a gun. Mm-hmm. And his argument is, that guy jumped me. I was in fear of my life. But none of that would have happened Had you if you didn't decide you were a fake cop. an altercation, and you wouldn't have started an altercation because you're a pussy unless you had a mm-hmm. gun. So... <laughs> Just one of the reasons to consider how these are toxic little elements in all of our lives, and we all have to change how we live over your silly little toys. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like I, I'm and I'm not even because, black. <laughs> yeah, because like bad cops have authority, and they have a power structure that allows them to do violence. Like they, they have. They're they're supposed to be the only ones who can do violence in the name of justice. But then fake cops. Which we've seen over and over, every militia down at the border, the three percenters. Protest uh, uh, lots in Florida where it's almost a law. You're supposed uh, to get Kyle, involved. Yeah, Kyle, what's his face who also got mm-hmm. off or said, like, I was walking around with a gun and I felt unsafe. Mm, what... well, why were you walking around with a gun? Yeah. Is there a variable you brought to that equation? Yeah. So um, uh, I know this is not great for yeah a bunch of white middle class people to talk about, but uh, also, fuck that noise. Yeah. Fuck vigilantes. Fuck fake cops. Yep. And um, yeah, uh, rest in power. Yeah. Black Lives Matter has my support. Uh, as mm-hmm. does Amber Rose and Wiz Khalifa and their their <laughs> union. They marry uh, 10 years ago and they divorce three years later. Some things no. are too beautiful to exist. No. Uh, Moving on to the movies of 2013, 10 years ago, Despicable Me 2 is still number one at the box office. We have an insane cast, including Nia Vardalos, Jim Sheridan, Steve Agee, Richard Kind, Timothy Oliphant, uh, Jamie Garretts, uh, Carrie Kenny Silver, Gina Gashon, J.B. Smooth, Bob Odenkirk, Fred Willard, Christopher Guest, and Jeff Garland, who I believe is writing and directing here, dealing with idiots. What a silly You can title. tell it's a comedy because it's a, there's an apostrophe there. <laughs> I, I I watched did this movie. Find this to watch it because it was hard to find. It, it's a very like it's clearly a movie made over like a few weekends with a bunch of friends in a state park. <laughs> People going to their kids' baseball games. I forget. It, it's so mm-hmm. unremarkable. That's almost why it's worth recommending because Jeff Garland has made I think two movies that just yeah they're not gonna like rise above and be talked about at the end of the year. But the guy likes to make movies with his friends and they're always a little charming. And they're not like anything else you'd ever see. But it, dealing with idiots, I saw it streaming free somewhere years ago. Not terrible, just. Eh. <laughs> and uh, also out this week, Elizabeth Olin, uh, Milo. Oh, I should have read that first. Venti Migila, Gilia. Uh, yeah, I'll tr- I'll do a take Close two next enough. week. John Travolta and Robert De Niro, Killing Season. Who boy? Wow. 
who would have thought back in the 70s mm-hmm. that it would take so long for us to get Robert De Niro and John Travolta in a movie together and that everyone would hate it and no one remember it happened? I mean, I, I don't I love Robert De Niro so much. And I just does he care what he does anymore? Like just that like anytime he's in something, it's like widely derided. Mm. Almost entirely for the next I 10 years. I tried to watch this. I Ooh. gave it my best. And I Ooh, just hats off. noped out. It's, I mean, when you picture a Serbian person, is Travolta the first face yes. that comes to your mind? Of course it is. Mm. Serbian people dance, right? Travolta can do that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, okay. So this is, what, Travolta's a Serbian guy and he wants to get revenge on De Niro for something that yep. happened in the war. Okay. Yep, exactly. Um, gotcha now let's talk about fucking timely which they talked about at the time like right after yeah the, uh, fortunately Zimmerman the acquittal trayvon martin incident was an isolated incident that we never had to discuss <laughs> again just kidding fruitville station is out with chad <laughs> michael murray michael b jordan octavia spencer uh melanie diaz uh honey o'reilly kevin durand uh i didn't watch this because mm-hmm. uh we had to live we it lived it yeah, yeah. And, and i don't mean to say like we lived anywhere close to the trauma and pain of all this but like this rocked the bay area for a while and we're talking like down to protests occurring on the 101 kind of stuff like it was just a very very it's i it's where i got like i think uh turned like the idea of black lives matter didn't bother me because the bay area had just gone through that somebody needlessly shot just for being a certain color and yep. creating a, and so, just people having had enough. Yeah. Now, this movie as a movie, though, I mm-hmm. did watch it. It's really well done. Yeah. They mm-hmm. do a excellent job about not making it a hagography. The filmmakers are willing to show this real-life person's flaws. There's a really telling scene, in my opinion, where he is going back to his old job to try to get his job back after he's been fired. And he gets physical with the guy he's trying to get a job by. Not majorly show so, but enough so that if I was that guy, I'd be like, hell no, you're not getting your job back. and Get out of my store before I have you thrown out. And he's shown to be a former criminal. He's shown to have some uh, flaws. Uh, she's on his wife or girlfriend, baby mama, whatever. And they never tried to make him this incredibly saint, but they also put you in the mindset of, oh, my God, this guy didn't need to be shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so, well done. Yeah. So this is uh, based on the true story of Oscar Grant, who was killed by a cop at uh, a subway station in a Oakland. station. But I'm trying to explain it for the peoples. <laughs> Sorry. It is the debut of Ryan Coogler as both writer and director. He basically got money from it for, from Forrest Whitaker and John Bon Jovi's sister-in-law, bringing them this story. And it is it is so interesting because it is so different than what you think it's going to be. You think it's going to be about the killing, about the aftermath, about the protests. And no, it really is 80 to 90 percent about the normal day of a normal person and knowing that this is all going to go wrong at the end. But it's just, yeah, it's just a guy trying to get by, dealing with all his stuff and, you know, and it's like, can't find a job. He's maybe, maybe I'll deal with, no, I don't want to do this. And, you know, balancing all this stuff going on in his life. Just a perfectly normal, boring ass day until he gets in a scuffle at the subway station. Mm-hmm. Cops come up, tough him, put him on the ground, real rough. And according to the cop, was reaching for his taser. 
pulled his firearm and just shot him point blank. Uh, we all know tasers and guns are shaped exactly this. Right. And... Don't you usually keep them right next to each other? That's a great idea. But yeah. And then also the big thing, Michael B. Jordan. Yep. Everyone sees this yep. and is like, oh, shit. That kid who was on the wire. Oh, my God. And all, almost all this good. moves directly into Black Panther. Yeah. A thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting watch. Both like if if you go into it not knowing what's going to happen, mm-hmm. it it might feel like like a bad student film of like wait you didn't know how to end it so you just shot the guy like <laughs> is this the original cut of Clerks what are you doing? But I don't know how many people did that. <laughs> Most people going in knew this is based on a true story, yeah. so that when that happens, it's so fucking shot. Like, what the f- the guy was just going home, man. What? Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah, because I think there's still. <sighs> a little bit of knee jerk from either right wing or suburbia that the smallest amount of criminality it's okay if that results in death and just mm-hmm. why not 90 minutes to show you why that's just an idiotic approach to everything yep i feel scared on the subway therefore someone needs to die still mm-hmm. happening <laughs> yeah ridiculous so, yeah fruitvale station yeah big big recommend for me Ugh, uh uh Hard pivot. <laughs> yeah, very hard pivot, but also a recommend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Heather, <laughs> please tell me it's Dorkson. Bern sure. Gorman, Robert Millet, Millet uh, Ron Perlman, Diego Klattenhoff, uh, Clifton Collins Jr., Robert Kaczynski, Max Mar- Mar- Martini, uh, Rinko Kikuchi. Why all these names, Diana? Charlie it's Day. It's international film ah, because right. all the peoples of the world are going to get together. Charlie and Day. And we're going to fight kaijus. Id- Idris Elba. Charlie Hoonan. Ladies and gentlemen, one of my biggest surprises, Pacific Rim. Haven't you heard? The world is coming to an end. In order to fight monsters, we had created monsters of our own. I mean a pilot and your fighting skills. Today we face the monsters that are at our door. Pacific Rim. Let's finish this. Ooh, Pacific Rim. God damn. Fucking... I saw this day one in theaters because I think my girlfriend, like, I think you'd be interested in this. Yeah, I've heard about it. And I just had the, like, the most fun going into something completely blind I've ever had in a movie theater. Pacific Rim. Fucking Guillermo del Toro's career is so goddamn strange. <laughs> right. His movie before this was Hellboy 2, five years before, and then Pan's Labyrinth before that. Like and he's like, I want to make a neon anime as fuck looking movie about Godzilla versus a giant robot. And if, if you're reading about <laughs> Guillermo del Toro, it's not exactly easy for him to make projects. Hellboy Two was a difficult go. Hobbit disappeared. This was a consolation movie. This was what yeah. he did instead of On the Mountains it, of Madness, right? Which he eventually. Oh. Did. So yeah, like I think he's still working on that. Yeah, right? you're, uh, every we'll see. Always reading about movies Guillermo del Toro has in the works, and before like Netflix was capable of putting them in production, I just stand in awe of like how did this get through this <laughs> huge major. I want to say it's not for everybody, but it sort of like is. It is for everybody, and its only flaw is like, man, it has some of like the hammiest dialogue at certain <laughs> points I've ever. Is this placeholder? But whatever. Once you get to the the showdowns. It's just exquisite. It's, I, I like, we, we've seen, I loved King Kong versus Godzilla, and I'm like, this doesn't come close to the majesty of Pacific Rim. So good. <laughs> and I've, I've never been able to get into the uh, sequel, but that's Del yeah, Toro list. Yeah, I, 
love this film. This is probably my favorite kaiju movie of all time. I could easily claim the same. Very good. Uh, Well, think of the fight scenes in this. Delta gets action incredibly well. Every single fight in this movie is different. No fight is just a copy paste of the next. Uh, You see see the fight in real time with excellent directing compare any of these fights to a transformer fight where it's all blurry and you can't really follow along you can mm. see every step of the fight it all makes sense and he gets the scale down yeah i mean you really feel like these are giant huge robots and that's a hard thing to pull off right because every every time you usually see a kaiju battle you're dealing with a you know semi-intelligent monster who's only got brute strength and whatever innate power fires from his mouth or butt. And this is just like, no, it's two guys like this sort of, not to compare it to real steel, but like, yeah, you got to figure out like each new monster. How do you deal with them? It's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. And and like, if we, I, I think we were going through our wrestling Renaissance at the time and like, this is a great wrestling movie as well. Like things are countered and suplexes occur. Just things you won't normally see Godzilla do are done simply by the notion of putting two people inside this Ava, having to work in unison and figure out the limits of their, uh, their abilities in this. I forget what the robots are called. It's been so long since, uh, Jaegers. Jaegers. That's what it is. Hunters. Yeah, yeah, I knew it was something, but oh, Pacific Rim. I, I've watched it again, and I've never been able to recapture that sight unseen crowd cheeringness of seeing it <laughs> opening week. God damn, it's something I wish I could get back. Uh, but I loved this fucking movie. Loved it. Yeah, and it is. Yeah, it, yeah, it's. I have trouble trying to like imagine what's a better version of giant robots fighting giant dinosaurs. Like, nope. Yeah, no. The 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 story character arcs and stuff yeah they're pretty thin yeah i don't know how i'd flush them out better um i mean like the interesting dynamic that it takes two people to move the jaegers around Mm -hmm. and they have to be like perfectly synchronized and stuff so it's like you got to find the right team or else it all falls apart it's like okay that's unexpected interesting it makes it a little more complicated than just like I'm a guy in a robot, pew pew. It gives it that Evangelion feel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They realize that. Oh, okay. And that there's human cost to all this. That mm-hmm. to to the guys in the costume, not just like, oh no, I got beat up on my costume. And like, there's only so many of these things left because most of them have gotten eaten and trashed and fucked up. Mm-hmm. And why are the monsters coming? We don't know. Oh, we there's, do know. The film well, tells us they're they're the invasion a, force. Yeah. Yeah. There's a hole at the bottom of the ocean. And they're coming out and eating us. Yeah. And they're yeah. we are bugs to the aliens and this is just their extermination force coming to take off that's what the movie says anyways and this is a yeah. fascinating time to set a film because this isn't pre-apocalypse or post-apocalypse this is mid-apocalypse it's <laughs> happening and they're they're trying to prevent it but the world's already been messed up severely you know yeah. they've already they're losing cities are getting trashed yeah, left and right that's and, right because they're even though they're in a giant hyper strong mechanized robot they're they're backed into a corner like this is like this is our last shot we got (laughs) to hopefully this works what i will say about this film it's more than the sum of its cliches Mm -hmm. because everything in this film is a cliche but it combines it together so well in a love letter to this genre Mm -hmm. that it works far better than it should yeah i cannot explain to you why pacific rim is the best kaiju movie of all time when it has every cliche that every kaiju movie has, but it is. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. I, I trust 
and just Guillermo del Toro, I think how did this happen? This seemingly happened fast for him. Whereas like a lot of his movies get caught up in like studio red tape and cancellations. And this makes so much money and he doesn't even come back to do it again. It's, it's, it's popular enough that it needs to be readdressed with uprising. It's just so fascinating. Uh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta rebuy this movie. I need to see the 4k version. I think the secret sauce is the comedy stylings of Charlie Day and Bern Gorman running around as scientists. Mm. They are so goofy. Like you always yeah. have, you know, some sort of scientist and maybe he's a guy with a pipe or something. And just like the scientists are such idiots. <laughs> but yeah, like I saw a meme. I don't know where it came from, but like Charlie Day is going like full Rick Moranis and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids scientist. Yes. <laughs> I've made a lot of mistakes and I'm going to wear a lot of weird shit on my head. <laughs> yeah, but they're trying, damn it. Their heart's in the right place. They really are trying to figure this stuff out. They're just, it's very hard to get from point A to point B to do science stuff while there's giant monsters and robots fighting, okay? Indeed. <laughs> oh, Stressful. Indeed. Uh, God, there's still so much left to go. Wow. Is there? Talk about the least essential movie with the most people I like inside of I was going to bring this up. I think Weekend at Bernie's 2 is a more necessary sequel than this thing. <laughs> Uh, uh, agreed. Ooh. Agreed. Ow. Uh, Ow. Milo Ventimiglia. There he is again. Hey. Uh, Selma Hayek, Sherry O'Terry, Nick Swarsden, Maria Bello, Maya Rudolph, Selma Hayek, David Spade, Chris Rock, Kevin James, Adam Sandler. You know it is. It's got to be Grown Ups too. Last time they got together for a weekend. What happened to that kid? Oh, he's still here. <laughs> this time. <laughs> you got you to gotta respect that. It's permanent. Become a cop after all that stuff we did growing up. Put your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care. Hey, look who showed up. Will you work out, Cinnabon? Oh, you raised my ninjas. Grown Ups 2, rated PG 13. Oh my god. Oh my god, Grown Ups 2. This opens ahead of Pacific Rim is a shame. It's a Shonda, I tell you. (sighs) So, I had never seen any Grown Ups film before this week. I watched Grown Ups 1. Not bad. Honestly, I understand there's a lot of hates for one, but I found it to be a semi-enjoyable no, and, uh, comedy. Look, was... I, I'm on board with the Sandler universe, and I'm more than happy to see one of my favorite casts of SNL reunite in an age-appropriate movie. Why not? Yeah. It, it... yeah. Mm-hmm. This film, though, yes. was horrible and god-awful, <laughs> and I really am upset that it got made. And then I remembered... A quote by one friend. I have an internet friend named Doug Muir. We've been talking for like 25 years, never met in person. He made a point, and it was a throwaway comment, that if you do the math, Grown Ups 1 and Grown Ups 2, in terms of all the ticket sales in theaters, streaming on television, streaming on the internet, shown uh, various places on uh, home video, probably about a billion people have voluntarily watched one or more of the Grown Ups movies. Yeah. And that if your view of human nature does not take into that account that one billion people who would voluntarily watch a grown-up film, your view of human nature is flawed, and you need to change it. It, it, Like, they, the the cast members themselves make jokes that, like, this is kind of keeping TBS and even MTV afloat (laughs) to this day. This is what is airing on those channels all the time, these two movies. there is a market for this and i get the market for grown-ups one i really do but i didn't find this to be very funny i felt like every scene was just an isolated joke that doesn't lead into a bigger setup just 
a shitty, a shit stupid reason to make a series of escalating gags. <laughs> Shitting in a Kmart or just the one with the elk in it, the CG elk. Oh my God. And it's, but again, I'm, I'm kind of a Sandler apologist. Why is this the first sequel he ever made? What? Why did wow. this this come down? He didn't even oh, acknowledge like a shared wow. like much of a shared universe up until semi recently. Uh, and some, yeah, where was Bigger Daddy? Right, where is Happy Gilmore too? That guy doesn't have anything left to tell. We but these guys, the unremarkable lives of inexplicably wealthy men. <laughs> what the uh, fuck? I guess because he wanted to hang out with his bros again. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if someone would pay you to go on vacation with your friends, yes. wouldn't you take up that deal? I yeah. have and I will. And I, yes, definitely. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Although the cast is so expensive. Do you know how much money this movie costs? Uh, it, like $80 million for some reason. Yes. <laughs> $80 million. For rem- these guys to go on vacation. It was, there's a Colin Quinn joke about. Him and Morton, he was talking to Norm Macdonald about being in the movie, and like Sony bought the whole cast Maseratis. And he, for some reason, like, did I live through this decade? Like, what did they do to deserve that? And then Colin Quinn made a joke about me and Norm Macdonald had a split a zip car. And <laughs> every, Maseratis for everyone. And I only, this is sort of, but this is the, the only weird thing I, I have left to say about this. I do not recommend watching this at all. One the funny thing is Rob yeah. Snyder and Adam Sandler are fighting. So he is replaced Yay. in this movie. I was about to ask, I don't see Schneider. Yes. And this makes me pleased. He'll be back, sadly. Damn it. It's really annoying. That Oh, God, Rob Snyder is annoying. Uh, but also, this is right around when I think Sony's kind of had enough. These very expensive movies, they make money, but like, there's no reason... Adam Sandler's getting everything on this. He's yep. got such oh. a good deal with Sony. Oh, did you read the Sony leaks? Yes, then? I did. <laughs> yes, I did. And they, they yeah. literally like kind of like replace him with Seth Rogen almost like next year. And then the, the Netflix era of Adam Sandler begins <laughs> shortly after this. But uh, this this has to be the, the apex. This is all of his friends, blah, blah, blah. Very unessential. Let's move on to television because I'm hungry. <laughs> There's so much more to talk <laughs> about still. Kind of exciting. Uh, Orange is the New Black debuts on Netflix, which for oh, me boy. was, I think, one of the best new Netflix shows I felt at the time. This is really fucking fun. This is something you can't do anywhere else. Holy shit, this, this show is addictive and neat and a great theme song. <laughs> and then, you yeah. know, shortly after goes off the fucking rails harder than most other shows ever do. Mm. Forgets it has a main character because she sucks. Well, the first season was pretty realistic. Yeah. But then they get into that television thing of mm. you have to keep upping things. Mm-hmm. Everything needs to be bigger than the last season. So they kind of threw a lot of the realism out the window as the series wore on. Yeah. yeah. But, but I had this, a great time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this definitely marks... Oh, yeah. Netflix is in the television business. Mm-hmm. Fuck, 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 fuck. So we already had House of Cards this year. And now we have Orange is the New Black. Like, oh, shit. The critics love it. People are addicted to it. They're binging it like crazy. They're telling all their friends. They're re-binging it. Oh, great. Uh, fuck. fuck. And that's, that's <laughs> important. I, I don't know how to vocalize the distinction here. Like, House of Cards has happened and Arrested Development has happened. But in terms of, like, this is a brand new thing that's fucking awesome I can't wait to watch more. Oh, are you in luck? Because all of it has released. So it becomes this thing that like for a, a week, everyone is enthralled with the entire series and tweeting about moments. It's just that early era of Netflix that I'm now getting nostalgia for when, yeah, everyone's talking about the same show 
but the entire show in like the, the span <laughs> of a week. Because House of the Cards, you couldn't really do that with. And uh, most of the tweets about Arrested Development were like, what the fuck is going on? Why isn't this funny? <laughs> and, you know, listen to a couple episodes ago. I argued that it was. Even, yeah, even, like it. even bigger ripples in the television universe, the TV movie reaching new heights also thanks to social media. And I stand firmly in the arms folded no <laughs> category of this. Tara Reed and Ian Zaring in Sharknado. It's about to tear through the city Sharks. Tornado. Sharknado. Enough said. We're gonna No, they're right though. Good for them to just know, yep, this is what we're doing now. What as the riff track points out, it's probably a bad idea to keep reminding your audience that there's a much, much better shark movie out there that they could be watching. <laughs> to play this clip? Oh, that's the, the I watched this on riff tracks with my wife, and that is the only way to watch Shark Man. Uh, Unless you got a bunch of drunk yeah. friends over, that works too. But the riff tracks people are awesome. It's great. It's on. It's made it's for one them. of the funnier ones I've seen. This isn't an exact clip referencing the specific joke that I said, but there's plenty of killer jokes in the riff track. Everyone swears it's the storm of the century. Well, even if it is, <laughs> Beverly Hills emergency services are second to none. <laughs> even I am can't believe that's the real line. <laughs> there are sharks running the streets. Now there's one swimming in your pool. Beverly Hills pool cleaning service is second to none. There's <laughs> <laughs> just, I, I complain like to make an intentionally not good movie. Can't yeah. do it. Rubs me no. the wrong way. But as we've talked about on the show, we're all smarter than we've ever been and have access to more. The formula for making a decent movie is kind of out there. It's kind of hard to get a really bad movie made unintentionally now. So I kind of get it. Maybe you want something. Yeah, I just don't want to think for a little bit. Let me get something silly for, for 90 minutes. And, and I think through Twitter is part of the phenomenon of Sharknado because people like have moved beyond I can't believe this exists to tweeting moment to moment I can't believe this is happening and the series mm -hmm. gets so much crazier as it goes yeah I mean that's the thing if you're going to make uh, an over-the-top movie you've got to just make an over-the-top movie mm -hmm. instead of pretending like this is going to be so bad it's good it's like, no just go bug nuts crazy you don't have to you don't have to be cute about it just go bug nuts crazy people love that shit also I found out today this is made by <laughs> One of the most high-profile movies made by an alumni of my film school. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> Go Gators! I also believe it's not this Sharknado, but I've always wanted to do a giant thing about the very brief period of the the Hollywood of Florida when MGM Studios and Universal moved in and they were going to make working studios. The I think one of the last things ever filmed was in an exterior for Sharknado in Florida before like it completely went away. That's its legacy. Also on television, Bikinis and Broad Boardwalks debuts on the Travel Channel. Uh, I couldn't find it, but there's some Simpson clip where it's uh, Kent Brockman goes, and now the history of the bikini. <laughs> QI on Springfield theme music, hell yeah. Yeah, play this clip oh. from the Travel Channel and tell me if that doesn't bring that Simpson quote to mind. Beaches, babes, and beach-ready bods. On Travel Channel, we've got it all. It's like you're in another world. And we want more. More bikinis. Just be free and take off your coat. More action. How do people watch this shit? It's like what old people masturbate to. 
<laughs> Chris, before internet porn, there was a genre of watching something that's titillating without masturbating. Remember that Tara Reed Wild On? I was there when there, <laughs> there's no R-rated <laughs> fodder. You take what you can get. MTV's The Grind comes to mind. But this is 2013, and we just talked about Orange is the New Black. There's plenty of ways to get titillation. <laughs> you don't have to sit through commercials and 30 minutes of bikinis and boardwalks, video shots of beaches. These are static scenes behind a karaoke machine. Why is this still a show? <laughs> you want to imagine yourself on the boardwalk with the bikinis. That's I, what you want. I suppose. I've always lived near the water, so I've always... There's some body shaming issues there with me, but uh, yeah. I've got about 2,000 miles to go <laughs> before I hit salt water, okay? I understand. I've been spoiled. A, a big, a big debut for me, uh, Comedy Central debuts Drunk History, which even I had sort of forgotten. That was a pretty big funny or die phenomenon when that was yeah, still going on. That went for two years on Funny or Die and then it disappeared. And I was like, oh, there's no more Drunk History. And then it's on the television. And, oh, and I love Drunk History so much. I didn't look into it really because I watched it occasionally. I didn't really have cable. I'd see clips here and there when I go to the parents' house for holidays. But it was it worked really fucking well. They and they got yeah. higher and higher profile people to get ripped on the show. And it I, I I never would have predicted this to be the success that it was, but it went for like seven seasons. It was only canceled because of like that I think we have to look at now, Comedy Central's COVID panic. Anything with live action people that couldn't be done remotely like animation was canceled no matter what the ratings were. Everything. Except the Daily Show. I uh, I am stunned that I am only now finding out how many international versions of Drunk History oh, there are because it, wow. it is perfect. Anyone can do it. You get someone, you have them study up on a topic, then you get them drunk, and then you have them tell tell you the story, and then you have people act it out. And it's funny. There's a Spanish one hosted by who. Uh, Eugenio Derbez, there's a Hungarian one, there's a Brazilian one, there's an Australian one, there's a UK one. Of course there are. I feel so stupid for you even thinking that. Ah, uh, yeah. I I love drunk history. Yeah. It's, it's it's one of those things that's hard to binge, but like if I still had regular television, I will stop the channel. Like, okay, we can we can handle this. So yeah. I'm a huge history geek and I've talked with a bunch of people online and we developed our own history geek community where we talk about deep historical things, but we do it in such a low-key, fun, joking way at times mm -hmm. that this series really helped recapture that kind of like <laughs> love of just talking about history in a way that's not peer reviewed stuffy yeah know? like a, yeah. and then george washington is like nah <laughs> <laughs> no nah, dog nah. i'm gonna go with the french guy yeah. <laughs> then uh he's cool you you should you should shut up british people nicholas tesla's yeah. causing all this throwing all this shade at edison like <laughs> being acted out immaculately it's uh, yeah the people acting out the drunk dialogue is by the two the times best. i've had to describe drunk history i feel like i'm on the show it, it, <laughs> it, but it's it's dumb fun that works remarkably well and i don't think ever should have been canceled because it, it did very yeah. well in the ratings hope yeah. it comes back somehow i couldn't tell you the same thing about the bridge which debuts on fx a show i may never have heard of <laughs> it's a great idea for a television show though honestly it's all about a crime drama which is set on a town that has a bridge between El Paso and Juarez. 
the bridge of the Americas. So you've got crimes in Mexico that bleed over to America and crimes in America that bleed over to Mexico. It's a great idea. Uh, Didn't seem to really catch on very much, though, and I've never watched it. Uh, It's based on a Scandinavian show Mm. of the same idea. But I would think that the difference between Norway and Sweden is a little different than U.S. and Mexico. Slightly less. (laughs) Slightly. Camp uh, debuts on NBC this week. I have to guess it's a reality show, it being the summer. No, strangely, no, but it does answer the question. Hey, where's Rachel Griffith's been? Yeah, for real. I have not seen her in like anything. She's rad. Give her more shows. And they gave her the show about (laughs) summer camp. I am disappointed. I am disappointed. I want her to have everything. She's wonderful. And, uh, all right. So we dropped this out of news because it does become an internet TV. And I don't like with news. I could be constantly mentioning plane crashes and it gets depressing, but mm-hmm. it was continuing with bad week in San Francisco. Uh, yeah. Asiana flight 214 crashed on right. arrival at SFO from Singapore, I want to say, and um, or Korea. No, Korea. Yeah, they, they came in kind of too low. There was some pilot error. Uh, it crashed. The tail of the plane came off. Three people were killed, one of whom was run over by a fire truck. They claim she was already dead. Wow. But that's still like, that's the worst. That's the fucking worst. And then to add extreme insult to extraordinary injury, KTVU, which is a local Fox affiliate, runs with the names of the people on the flight. And you know how many Asian people are around here? Yeah. That they should know, but they, they fall for prank names. Oh, no. We have new information now also on the plane crash. KTVU has just learned the names of the four pilots who were on board the flight. They are Captain Sum Ting Wong, We Too Low, Ho Li Fook, and Bang Ding Ao. The NTSB. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so wrong, but we too we too low is so fucking funny that it deserves an award. Wh- Holy shit! Oh, Holy shit! God, how did see? God damn it! The news is supposed to vet things. How do you yeah. fall for that? Uh, oh, I don't know. How does that it's... get on the air? How does that get in the teleprompter? Uh, yeah, the guy typing into the teleprompter should be like, "Wait!" Oh, oh my god. Oh, and uh so so fucking wrong i really i i hope to god that there is an equivalent in korea where they're like yeah and those white people were yeah. named uh bobson dugnut and <laughs> <laughs> randall hamburger anyway moving on beware the batman debuts on cartoon network this week and man it's interesting to see what 10 years of cg can do for your superhero cable show this looks <sighs> insanely different than the spider-man cartoon but still yeah yeah yeah. still still if i I really think that again this is probably for the ai thing cgi is not going to hold up no one is going to be nostalgic for old cgi the way we're nostalgic for like old stop motion Mm. Hmm. um and and i i've bought some really old and foreign stop motion we're like this is unwatchable this is <laughs> this is very rudimentary and terrible stuff in black and white and stuff. This looks to be like way more expensive than the show it replaced, which is the funniest Batman that's been around for a while. And and maybe now you can see how they ended up Cartoon Network ended up settling on eighteen hours of Teen Titans Go every day, the comedy one, <laughs> all the way. Uh, video games of twenty thirteen. Ah, 
Pacific Rim <laughs> all over the place <laughs> with a mobile game and a PS360 game. Didn't get to play those. Uh, I imagine none of them were good, from what I can see. The PS3 Xbox game, you always play the same three Jaegers, mm-hmm. and mm. it, it at one point you have a Jaeger versus Jaeger fight with no explanation, and it's just boring, boring combat. The bigger release, I have no idea what this what qualifies this as a release, but Dota Two is out and i believe the isn't that the last game valve has released at this point no i guess they they have a vr alex game and they i think they made um but most of them have been much shorter games in terms of something they've online that they've supported yeah dota dota 2 my favorite thing about this diana it's Mm -hmm. called dota 2 what is a dota dota there was a little game called warcraft 3 and then there was Uh a fan fan made mod on that called defense against the ancients uh oh. defense of the ancients that became very popular and basically spun off the uh whatchamacallit league of legends genre so this game is just called dota 2 despite not being defense against the ancients there's there is no defense against the ancients one but it is like a sly way of telling you this is the sequel to that game that got really popular that doesn't really have <laughs> that we're not I, I think that's the case. Dota 2. It's just, I love that it's just called Dota 2. So this date was chosen because it came on Steam on this okay. date and was fully out of beta. Yeah, because I'm sure there was like some big beta period, which instantly had like so many concurrent people playing it. Like it, this was a success like pretty much out of the gate. Had some complaints here and there. I, I'm not a Dota player, obviously. Moving on to our plugs. but Like stick around because we're going to tell you who died during this period of 30, 2010. And it is tragic. And then do a little quiz you can play along with of who was born during this period. I love the quiz portion. But a little bit of plugs. Patreon.com slash laser time. Man, we got a bunch of fun stuff coming your way very soon. Twilight Zone. 80s in-depth episode. Cannot wait for you guys to hear that. Blues Brothers and a big project we're working on. Man, that's really, really fun. Again, thanks to JR for spearheading all that shit. Holy fuck. Is, uh, did you choose one of the most fun things to do? Uh, it's crazy. It, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's the weirdest series I've ever covered. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Vigigame Apocalypse every week, every Friday with Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Parras, and Maddie Allen and me. Die, where can folks find you at? They can find me on the Twitter, if it's working, at uh, listenerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010 podcast. It's 3020-10 podcast coming up next week. Oh, Lord. We've got, uh, on, on the bad side of things, we have Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds n- trying to make Men Ooh, in boy. Black and failing horrifically. But also the surprise hit of the summer that becomes an eighth film series in 10 <laughs> freaking years. Wow. Also, the bad boys are back. What are you going to do? And sure, it's the middle of July. Let's have a Halloween movie with the Sanderson sisters. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh. And if that's not all, we're also going to see the end of Digital Monsters. Ooh. The mm-hmm. premiere of the first Teen Titans cartoon. Hey. Mm-hmm. And Chris Rock is going to tell us that kids need bullying. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, and with that out of the way, Diana, who died during this period of 30, 2010? Oh, boy. Well, in 1993 is when we lost uh, the singer of the Gits, Mia Zapata, who was only 27. She was murdered oh. uh, walking back from a club to her friend's house. And in 2004, 
they identified her killer and he is now in prison. Wow. There was all kinds of stuff about like, was some of her gear missing? Did someone break into her house? Was it someone she knew? No, it was a local creep who raped and strangled her. And now he is in prison forever. Fuck that guy. Long live the gits. <laughs> what? They're a cool girl band. Yeah. I like the gits. I was. Yeah. It's all they tragedy this week, though. That's that's just. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then in 2013 is when we lost uh, Corey Monteith, best known from Glee, who's only 31. Fuck you, heroin. Fuck yeah. you so bad. Yeah. That ain't right. I, I still right. always want to tip my hat to the young professionals of this era because when i grew up young stars were constantly in trouble and dying and it's just it's mm. jarring that like someone this young on something was he on the show at the time was the show still on or was it, like just over yeah. no we're in the middle of glee's run it is still getting huge ratings and yeah he's still on the show and they end up killing off the character and having a whole big episode about it we, we're or so not used to somebody yeah. like dying like that because it's just, still huge in 2013 because kids are much more well-rounded and better at being actors and celebrities and millionaires than they were when I was growing up. So I always want to tip yeah. my hat to the youngs. And your fucking Grimace shit has been hilarious. So to the youngs. <laughs> <laughs> to the youngs. Well, with that out of the way, JR, what's going on? It's time for the birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly-doo. A ding-dong doodly-doodly ding-dong-doo. Turning 75. Born... July 12th, 1948, in New Orleans, Louisiana. He is, you know him. Yeah. You 100% know him. You okay. probably cannot name any of his specific things that he did that makes him most famous. Really? Okay. He became obese during his early childhood. He was severely overweight and eventually uh, lost it. He went on to have a very long career, although not Primarily known as an actor, here are some times he has appeared in acting roles. Chips, the TV series, Fame, Amazing Stories, Dinosaurs, The Larry Sanders Show, Rocco's Modern Life, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer the Movie, Hercules, <laughs> What Women Want, Johnny Bravo, Arrested Development, and Fish Hooks. What the fuck? Okay, so it's someone who's famous for being famous, or they're famous for something he else? He did something. He has definitely been famous for something else. There is okay. a robot version on him in The Simpsons. Oh, 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 uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh. Uh. Richard Simmons. Yes, Richard <laughs> Simmons. <laughs> so. I could uh, name I was like, Al Roker? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Richard Simmons. Okay. Yeah. Could name like 20 dozen of his DVDs and VHSs, but unless I include, I guess, Sweat into the, sweat old. into the Oldies. Yes. Is Volume 1 through 900. Yep. Really fun man to have around in yeah. pop culture. Like recognizable by fucking silhouette and then added 18 other shades to his personality. Very, very fun guy. Yeah. And then, and then just stopped mm -hmm. very abruptly. The Missing Richard Simmons podcast is very, very good. And really getting into like, yeah, why why do people like this guy? What is his thing? And and why did he just disappear? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like Sean Connery made a similar decision, but I guess fewer people asked about it because 
you know, Richard Simmons had already kind of disappeared for a little while. And he was, I, I thought no, wasn't... He, used, he used to come out for tour buses yes. that would do like stars houses. He would come out and wave to everyone and, and put on a little show. I think the best speculation I heard, the guy has been a fitness person for his entire life. And it just gets harder when you get to be that age and has a look that is synonymous with who he is. And that look is not capable of being maintained anymore. And it could be. And it, yeah, it could be. And it obviously, you know, we just heard from Jr. grew up, probably has some body dysmorphia issues. So because mm. he had to make a statement like I'm alive, <laughs> I'm alive. Yeah. Uh, but it is it is he is a unique celebrity fixture. And I really want to give him the award, the best sport award, because <laughs> he kind of received a barrage of you could call it homophobia and took it oh, in stride. Extreme homophobia. Extreme yeah. homophobia. And and took it in smiling and in stride to promote something he thought was more important. So Richard Simmons, my head is off to mm. you. I'm glad you existed. Yep. I would have a big smile on my face anytime he showed up on Letterman yeah. because that dynamic, even though there was a bit of homophobia from Dave, it was sort of and, tinged that way. And cruelty, just like outright cruelty yeah. to him. But yeah, the the eternal happiest optimist and mm-hmm. Mr. Cranky. That's always a good comedy duo. And a great voice actor, as we've, as we've expressed. Well, that about wraps huh. up the show. Patreon.com slash LazerTime is how you can support us. Please give us five bucks. Uh, listen to us every week. And let's close out with Human Behavior by Bjork, because I don't have any knowledge of the sugar cubes, but this yeah. video solidified, well, this person's going to be the most fun person to pay attention in the universe. This <laughs> adorable, like, it looks like a fictional mythical creature and is beautiful speaks hilariously and makes the coolest music videos that have ever ever been made Bjork Bjork so we'll close out with uh, I think the best of Iceland has to offer Bjork and we will see you guys (laughs) next week definitely 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 don't like you to shoot